I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, The Witcher Edition. Wind's howling. So this is for our our Patreon subscribers, but we're making this episode available to all and sundry uh, so you can spread the good word. And perhaps you too may toss a coin to your podcast and (laughs) subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash streaming things. That's such beautiful, Uh, low-hanging fruit. I love it. I know. I think I'm going to co-op that for the entirety of our of our streaming things existence right toss a coin to your podcast yeah that'll be our little patreon slogan because i love the witcher right tell the world of our exploits like can you imagine how the people that don't they didn't start listening to us in the beginning and so they're then they're like not that big a fan of stranger things but they like our movie coverage i know those people are very few and far between but let's just assume (laughs) and when when Dr. Brenner comes on randomly. <laughs> yeah, who's Dr. Brenner? <laughs> Why does he keep doing a Matthew Modine impersonation? We're talking about Ghostbusters. So that's what it'll be like for people that don't like The Witcher. Toss, toss a coin. Is this a wishing well? Is that Goonies reference? Um, Podcast never say die. That was a good Goonies deep cut to the well scene. Come on, guys. Come on. Pretty good. Pretty good. Those are Uh, pennies. (laughs) Those are pennies. Yeah, Steve's writing that down furiously. Yeah, go back to that episode uh, and listen to Andy's. uh, What a low budget script this is. Andy thought he got him. Pennies. Oh, that was Andy? Yeah, Andy thought that he got him because Andy's like, those are pennies. And then like a second later, everyone's like, they're just pennies. He's like, oh, I thought I had them. (laughs) Andy's worked on too many no budget short films. Like that's that's what we would do. It's supposed to be treasure. Let's just get a bunch of pennies. Um, Any hoozle. So why you're here today is we're going to be recapping season one of The Witcher on Netflix uh, in, in anticipation of season two, which is going to drop on December 17th. So what we're going to do, we didn't have the, uh, the gumption uh, to, or nor the time to break down each episode individually. So we're going to do it uh, in threes and then uh, see what's left over. I think it's a 10 episode season, right? Or is it eight, 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 easy, easy pacey then. So we'll do one to three, four to six. And then the final two episodes, the, the coup de gras will be the third episode of this Patreon edition. Okay. If you're following me there and we're going to use multiple timelines. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. <laughs> um, so we're going to break down the first three episodes. That's what this episode is. This is episode one, the ends beginning. Uh, so what I want to do first is hear a little bit from Steve and Andy about your all's relationship with the Witcher, you know, what you thought of the show when it first came out. I know you're both big gamers. I assume you played Witcher three, the wild hunt. You may have even played the older games. Um, yeah, lay it on. Andy, what is your relationship to The Witcher? So I have indeed played uh, The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, and the older games. Uh, I played the original Witcher on PC way, way, way back in the day. And then uh, Witcher 2, I think, was on Xbox 360. And then, of course, everybody and their mom has played The Witcher 3. Um, 
talk I about have, my mother. I have not beaten any of those games because they are all extremely long RPGs, uh, especially The Witcher 3. That game is a bigger time sink than Skyrim. There is so much to do and it's so much fun. And I just don't got time for that. But that said, they are re-releasing uh, Witcher 3 on PS5, updated 60 FPS, and I am here for it. I could actually play it on my PC at like 120 FPS or higher, but I don't want to buy it again because I already bought it on PS5 or PS4. So not going to do that. I have not read the books. I really, really want to. I would love to read the adaptations. I know it was there. Uh, I, I call it an adaptation, the translation. Uh, it, it, so it was translated to English and minor changes abound. But from what I have read, the uh, translations all in all have been excellent. I think there's six books. Um, the show came out and uh, I was already a fan of the games and just the lore in general. And uh, so was here for it, as the kids say. And I was there for it more than once. I, I, I came all over the place. It was amazing. Uh, <laughs> now I uh, painted the I, garage with his paints. I watched it, the whole series back to back, like just watched it and then watched it again um, and love the hell out of it. I have serious issues with some things like, holy fuck, the costume design for the Nilf Guardians is fucking trash. Like, oh, my God, is that bad? But everything else, like the world building wise is extremely well done. The action in it is fucking badass. The acting in it is great. Um, I did not love the casting of Tris Marigold and in the rewatch so far, I have not honestly been a huge fan of it again, but uh, everybody else, uh, Geralt, Unifer, Siri, um, even like full test, like I, I feel like they crushed it. Um, and I have been having a blast getting back into it because I forgot how good this shit is. Like basically within the first two weeks of it being out, I watched it twice and then it just disappeared from my existence and now it's back with the vengeance yeah that's the problem with the netflix model you know you binge it and then it leaves the zeitgeist um you don't have that like week-to-week conversation um but yeah and I, I guess it's worth mentioning andy you brought it up so this show is based on the the books and i'm going to butcher the name uh, i think it's andre sapkowski um he's a, a, a polish gentleman so uh i don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly so uh, the, how most people got introduced to the Witcher is via the games. The Witcher three wild hunt was extremely popular. Um, but this uh, show is based on the books and there, I think there is, I don't know how many books there are. A lot of them are simply short stories. There's a couple novels, but there's a lot of short stories. So yeah, the first episode of the show is based on one of the short stories. Um, the lesser evil, I believe is the name of that short story. Um, but yeah, Steve, what is your relationship with the Witcher? So I knew Geralt as a young lad. uh, Well, me and Geralt went to kindergarten together, the old witching school, you know, (laughs) rough around on the playground. And he would always be like, chase me, chase me. And I would. The Uh, playgrounds (laughs) of Care Morin. (laughs) I would. (laughs) Vesemir would always get between us and say, you boys and your toys. And then we tickle him. No, uh, (laughs) I... uh, I was I was also introduced to the series like many people back in I think 2014 2015 uh with the release of Witcher 3 on PlayStation 4 um I really got into that game it was probably one of my top 3 favorite games of that 
uh, console generation, just because, as, as you all know, I'm a huge Mass Effect fan, and I feel like The Witcher 3 is the closest game of that generation to a Mass Effect, uh, even more so than Andromeda. But um, right. <laughs> but I loved it, and, and like Andy said, that game is so deep and dense, it literally took me over two years to beat the main story of Witcher 3 on console. Oh, you actually beat it? I didn't think anybody mm-hmm. on the planet had. I, not only have I beaten it, I have also beaten all the DLC content for it, which wow. was wine and blood. And what's the other one? Uh, I can't remember. Stone. Whichever is the one that deals with a, a girl. Um, there's one, one of the DLC stories in particular is, is great because it's this woman who her father was a wizard and he created like a fairy tale world that she could play in when she was a kid, but she got trapped in it. So you have to go into the world and there's like a goose that is like walking around. It's like honking at you. And Gerald's like, what do you mean you need coin? (laughs) Tell me where the board is. And it's, (laughs) and it's fucking insane, but it's so hilarious and great. Um, but I love the game. Um, the show, I have a little bit of a complicated relationship with the show. So when the Witcher on Netflix came out, uh, as, as a lot of the listeners know, I'm currently going through a divorce. Um, and when this show came out in late 2019, uh, it was 2019, right? When this yeah. show, yeah, late 2019, uh, that was like at the height of my, my ex-wife and I's marital problems. Um, we weren't like at each other's throats, but it was like, she had confessed to me some personal things and, um, we were trying to kind of navigate, you know, what is our relationship now? So it was a very, very hard time. And this was one of the first times she ever came to me and was like, Hey, I want to watch this show with you. And I was like, well, this is great. She never wants to watch shows with me. So (laughs) we sat down and we started watching the show. Um, but then, uh, she started feeling guilty about her feelings. And so she ended up hiding f- f- and that's a whole nother conversation we get into, but she would go and hide from me in her room. Cause she just felt guilty being around me. Uh, so I realized when I booted up the show this time around to rewatch it for this podcast, I had the sudden realization I haven't finished this season. Oh, uh, and I had forgotten that I hadn't finished it. I th- I've gotten pretty far, but I know I did not finish it because it got to the point where my wife was not wanting to engage with me anymore as much as she, she used to. And I wouldn't, I would only watch the show with her, uh, because it was our, our like last real thing that we did together as a couple. And you just haven't <laughs> found her yet. She's still hiding. She's still hiding. I still got to find her and be like, girl, we got to watch the last couple episodes. <laughs> Geralt needs me to chase him around the schoolyard and tickle him. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm really excited now that we're doing this rewatch because I, I, I enjoyed the show, uh, what, what parts of it I did see. So I'm excited to see how it kind of comes together and uh, uh, what happens because I don't know how the season ends. I'm buckled awesome. in. I'm strapped in. I'm Let's so do it. I'm so excited for you, Steve. So how are we going to work this spoiler warning for Steve? (laughs) Well, we've discussed that. I think Steve probably from where he told me he thinks he stopped. It sounds like he just missed the finale. Okay. Um, And again, so a little bit about me and I'm I'm answering your question by doing so. Uh, I played the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt late because I'm not I'm like a a hand-me-down gamer, right? I I love video games, but I I rarely have the gumption. So I think I played that game about two or three years after everyone else. Um, And ironically, I found the game during my separation from my son's mother. So 
I didn't have a job or anything. And I, I binged that. I just played that for like 12 hours a day for about three weeks and then finally got another job and haven't played it since, but I loved it. And I love swords and sorcery. If you're a fan of the main show, you know, that's my, that's my jam for many, many decades now. Um, so then the show came out and I, I, just timidly turned it on because I thought this is likely to be trash, right? <laughs> I didn't know much about the books. I just thought, oh, this is a show on Netflix based on a video game. Prepare to be disappointed. Um, and, and unfortunately, as someone who loves uh, high fantasy a lot, most of it is trash, right? It's very hard, like as far as the, the visual medium is concerned, like TV and, and film. As we love time has taught us. Yes, it's very hard to replicate. Um, but I was... Uh, pleasantly shocked at how addictive and wonderful it was. And I binged the whole thing. Uh, and I've watched episode one, like five times, uh, but I haven't finished the series since that first time. So I actually don't remember a whole hell of a lot other than the fact, that, you know, timelines converge and things like that. So Steve is aware that there, um, we should say this too, before we go much further, uh, we will be spoiling things. Um, if this show is meant for people who have seen it at least once, which I assume anyone who's like Googling podcasts on a show that's been on Netflix for two years, anyone who's looking for a recap. Yes, yeah. certainly yeah. will have seen it. Uh, this is definitely just a recap. in case we are going to be spoiling, but so to answer your question, Andy, I don't think I know anything that would hurt Steve um, from my memory. And so I just want the freedom to kind of, if we get to something in the middle of, uh, episode two that comes back later, we can kind of mention it in passing kind of thing, right? Give us that freedom because these, um, I should say this up top, there are three main timelines that converge and throughout season one, um, you don't know it at first. It's kind of confusing, but certain things are taking place decades before or after other things that you just saw before the scene changed. Uh, and you find that out toward the finale. And there are little hints throughout that I'm picking up on a rewatch, um, which is really interesting. So um, the three main stories are this. There are there is uh, the present day, which is a series story, which takes place over about two weeks. So series story is the present and that takes place over about two weeks. Um, then there's Geralt's story, which takes place over about 20 years. Um, and then Yennefer's story, which is about 70 years long. So when you see Yennefer the very first time, that's about 70 years before the present day. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, okay. I, did, I didn't realize that series was so short or that, uh, Geralt's was that long, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm picking up new things on, on this rewatch. And that's why I'm really, I text you guys like, wow, I forgot how complicated the story was. I'm really excited that we're doing this. Cause it always benefits me. Like, I feel like, um, I like stranger things so much, partly because it's a really well-made wonderful show, but also because we did this podcast and we talked about it so much and we got really down deep in the layers. It's kind of like when you study Shakespeare in college, and it's like, once you talk for six hours about a page of writing and you like realize all the layers and societal implications of it, and then you start to really respect the artist. Right. Yeah. yeah um, totally. It's kind of like that with this, like I'm starting to dig in and I'm like, this is really cool. Um, and there actually is a fourth timeline. If you want to get like, like push up your glasses and get super nerdy uh, in the finale, there's a flashback, which I won't say too much, Steve, uh, but it's about Geralt. Uh, Geralt's origins 
And that takes place about a hundred years ago. This is show so, the, the tickle fights we had in school. Yes. That 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 showing yes. Steve and the tickle fights with Vesemir. Um, he just needed to remember new. our time together to vanquish <laughs> the main villain of the show, you know, to, <laughs> and you know, so I much do it for Steve. None of that is things that you don't know anyway. So, so Geralt, when we see him is about a hundred years old. That's just, that's worth knowing for fans of the show. Um, and this show, the, the that white hair. Name is, he's so old. Huh? It's that white right. hair. He's so old, you know? Yeah. Well, okay, let's talk about that too. Andy, do you know why Geralt has white hair? Uh, no, I assume that that was part of the mutation process of them turning him into a witcher. So, so it is, um, but you, you'll notice that the other witchers do not have white hair. So I, I never really thought about it before, but I was watching the first three episodes today with my wife and she's a big fan of the show. Um, and in, a, in an episode three, you see another witcher and she's like, why doesn't he have white hair? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, witchers have white hair, don't they? And I was like, no, because I already know from playing the games and also uh, watching Nightmare of the Wolf that other witchers have all kinds of different hairs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she Pubic was really confused. Hairs, facial hairs. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have an explanation for why he did have white hair. I Googled it. Apparently, he underwent additional mutations that caused his hair to turn white. So he is, in fact, canonically uh, more mutated and much stronger than any other witcher. And I, I didn't know that. Okay, okay. I, I thought he had like protagonist armor and was, in fact, a little stronger because of that. Right. But I didn't know he was like actually stronger. He's the sure. Superman of witchers. Yeah, like exactly. Oh, I see what you did there, Steve. Mm -hmm. That look at the camera. There's no way to translate it to the audio format for the listener, but he looked at the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> he broke the fourth wall of the, the recorder. Um, so, yeah, the show was uh, adapted by Lauren Hisrich as the showrunner's name. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, she's amazing. And I'm really more and more in awe of what she was able to do, her and her team of writers, of course, because this is a difficult. I mean, like I said before, fantasy is really hard to adapt anyway, but this in particular, like it's a bunch of uh, translated short stories and novels and novellas. Um, so it's, it's really difficult to craft like uh, a linear through line narrative out of this world. I would imagine uh, it lends itself very well to like a, a sandbox video game, you know, like oh, all these different things you can go do, but you know, very tough to make a show out of. And hence the complicated you know, tri-layered timelines that she came up with as a solution for this season it was very unwieldy. I'm sure it was very difficult, but I think it works. It just takes some studying, some digging. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Let's dig right in, I guess. Um, so this show, again, in episode one is called The End's Beginning, and it opens up with Geralt, our uh, titular witcher, Geralt of Rivia, killing a what's called a Kikimora. Kikimora! It's my favorite monster name. Kikimora. I, it sounds so cute, doesn't it? It's a Pokemon name. I swear to God, like oh, Pika, Kika, Kika, Kikamora. You know. <laughs> I believe that it, it actually opens with Ronald the Fawn getting a drink of water from a lake. Why is his name Ronald? I came up with it on the spot, but I just can't. It, but it, then the Fawn gets attacked by the Kikimora. Hmm. Um, I forgot how quick the show kind of goes because it's just like smash cut to this creepy looking pond and there's the the fawn and then ah big monster that's it's dead <laughs> i know and there's no <laughs> title sequence really either like yeah. the title cards to this show if i'm wrong correct me if i'm wrong are just a different kind of runic symbol with the witcher and then we jump right in every time right 
I think yeah, so. I yeah. Think so. yeah. Um, so we jump right in. He's killing the Kikimura. And I love that they have all kinds of nods to longtime fans immediately because he's got the like demonic dark eyes indicating that he's recently drank a potion. Yeah, um, yeah, witchers drink badass. potions to help themselves in fights, different kinds of potions. In the game, you can make them. It's fun. And for parties. Um, yeah, right. And just they just, to, because they're cool. <laughs> Peer pressure in the early Witcher days. It's really a big problem. I don't really and... explain that ever. Like, there's no indication unless you're a longtime fan. Like, he drinks a potion in episode three before he fights the Striga. Yeah, and then he has the black eyes. That's like the closest they come to being like, that's a thing that he does. Yeah, like if you'd never known anything about the Witcher, you would just think they look like demons. Well, it's a big uh, problem in the witching community is is doping. You know, it's a real big problem. They're trying to have these fair competitive fights with monsters, but the Witcher team, they just keep doping. That's why they're not allowed in the Olympics anymore. Yeah, did yeah. you hear that they took away all of Geralt's medals? Yeah, they did, yeah. <laughs> they just left him the one silver. <laughs> silver kills and I, I love good. all the things that I was picking up on this rewatch. And again, I was talking to Steve before you hopped on here, Andy. I know we probably can't really do like a super, super duper deep dive. I'm just going to run through like major plot points and try to explain as best we can. So listeners get a sense of what happened um, and slow, you know, speed me up if I'm if taking too long because um, I did write detailed notes. Um, but Thank yes, you, baby. Uh, like for once I picked up some some of the things that actually went down, I just understood better and I absolutely love it. So what had happened in this beginning scene was Geralt was given a job by whom he calls the alderman and he thinks it's the Kikimora, but we find out from a character later, a character named Marilka. It was actually a Gravira that he was supposed to kill. Uh, that's what the alderman wanted to have slain. And the Kikimora is actually pretty helpful to their area. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so Geralt kills the Kikimora, brings it back to this town and we get this intense, vaguely Celtic, beautiful score immediately. And the composer's names are Sonia Belasova and Giona Ostinelli. I think they do a fucking amazing job throughout this series of like ramping up the action, but also like making it seem like diegetic. Like it seems like it's of this world. I don't know. It's just really neat. I think they did some great jobs. Absolutely. Um, and, I think the, and the monster design is phenomenal. I mean, they have a lot to work with from the video games, I would imagine. Um, like the CGI is really good. Like it's a lot better than it has any right to be. I don't know what their budget was, but like when I'm watching this Kikimura fight, I was like, eh, it's pretty real. The, the Kikimura <laughs> you know? design makes me laugh because it looks like a big spidery crab, and then it just has a grumpy man's face where it's like, <laughs> "You're in my pond. Get out of my lawn. You get out of my swamp. You get out of my swamp. I was, I was going to talk to Ronald Defoe, and you came and broke it up. <laughs> oh, Ronald, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Oh, damn. <laughs> Look what you made me do to Ronald. (laughs) By the way, listener, I'm very sorry. There is a high percent chance that in the future, when we talk about Geralt fighting any other monster, I will just call the monster the Kikimora because I, for whatever reason, cannot remember the names of any other monsters in this show except for the Kikimora, and it cracks me up. Kikimora. Kikimora. Kikimura. It does sound vaguely Japanese. Kikimura. Kikimura. Can I say that? I don't know. You're welcome. Uh, Tell me if your the accent is like spot on. <laughs> okay. Is that the rule? <laughs> so Geralt takes the the Kikimura carcass, as it were, to the town of Blaviken, uh, and that's a cool nod to gamer fans as well. I think. 
definitely, uh, I'm sure it's also in the books, but he's, he's known as the butcher of Blaviken. And I don't remember knowing why when I was playing the game, but I'm about to find out why well, it was, watching it was, this episode. It's a reference to a more humble time before he became a butch, uh, a butcher. He was just a nice little butcher. He had a nice little shop and mm-hmm. he was open all Monday through Thursday. He took Friday, Saturday and Sunday off. Mm-hmm. Um, to be with his fam yeah uh, believe Daniel his Day father Lewis. gary was the one that went to the butcher <laughs> shop and he uh gary of him. riverdale yeah Geralt was named after <laughs> gary yeah gary of Riverdale. <laughs> hi gary so and Geralt's pushed out of the tavern or at least attempted to be pushed out he tries to order a nice was it an ale i think it's ale in olden times nobody drank beer it's always ale um he's trying to drink a nice ipa and uh, if you're feeling frisky, other, you might go for a nice nice truth. None of the other taverners want him there because he's a damn witcher. They try to push him out. We don't serve and your kind here. This is one of the reasons that the witcher is really cool is that there are through lines, uh, themes of of bigotry and, and racism and colonialism, I think, play a huge part. And I don't think you can fully understand the witcher without understanding that it comes from uh, a context of a writer who lives in Poland, uh, a war-torn European country who's been through a lot of shit, right? And experienced a lot of bigotry. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up if we're going to talk about meta context, right? I think that the fact that it's based out of Poland is huge. Um, but Renfrey intervenes. A lot of the guys in that tavern work for her. She's like, yo, chill out. This guy's cool. He's with me. Serve him a beer. Matter of fact, give me the whole pitcher. I like that. At one point, the bartender just gives her, she orders a second beer and he just gives her the pitcher. <laughs> I can't refuse you, but you're going to goddamn pour it yourself. Madam. I won't pour beer for that witcher. Oh, no. <laughs> I took that as she was drinking so fast. He was, oh, I mean, like, also, like, fuck you, but like, she drank that first beer within like fucking 10 seconds. Yeah, he's like, you're going to need this. <laughs> I got, I got, I got mugs to polish. I can't just be pouring every three minutes. This is ridiculous. And we got to talk about Geralt's voice. So Henry Cavill plays Geralt. Um, and I know that it caused, uh, it was very divisive at the time. I loved it because it was dead on. Oh, his voice? The, the voice from the games. It's 110% yeah. bullseye from the game, Geralt. Which 100%. Is, and I, which surprised I know me. that Henry Cavill's a huge gamer. I can only assume he put 100 hours into the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt and wanted this role badly. Oh, he's platinum <laughs> right. it, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We've all seen videos of him building his PCs, right? Um, He's got all the achievements I, I, in that game. <laughs> I do remember on Twitter, some critics like the show's great, but then that voice is corny. And I was like, I fucking love it. You guys yeah. are crazy. I think it's great. Um, I do too. He's supposed to be, cause there's that misconception that witchers don't have emotions. And this is that I think his voice kind of lends credence to that stereotype that's in the world is cause his voice is pretty monotone and, very i sound very stoic and mad all the time but he's able well, to emote with it in a way where it's like no that's not real but if you were a common person in the world and you hear that voice for the first time you could be like oh man i don't hear those witches don't don't feel anything <laughs> you hear his voice he feels nothing yeah look at him evil is evil he's Lesser, all greater middling he's all handsome and dead inside <laughs> Why'd you call him handsome? Oh, I don't know. It was Freudian. Leave me alone. Um, so he can't get coin for the Kikimora. He meets this character named Marilka, and she tells him the bad news. Hey, the alderman wanted a Gravira, so he's definitely not going to buy that Kikimora. In fact, Kikimoras are pretty cool, and you're a dick. And he was like, damn. And I also killed a helpless deer right afterwards. So I don't know why you told me that. 
And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to pay you for the deer. Well, he looks at the <laughs> wounded deer and he's like, not your day. <laughs> and he kills it and eats it. And eats it. The entire deer, by the way, that's a lot of venison. Uh, but he's a witcher. He's got to keep up his carbs. Ronald. Anywho's RIP Ronald. That you can sell it to a wizard uh, simply because he'll buy pretty much anything. I sold him my dead dog. He uses it for, for uh, potions and whatnots. And already this is like a medieval pawn shop. Yeah. yeah, it's like a side quest in a video game. And I really love that, like that feeling to it where he's like, oh, I got to go sell this to uh, Stregobor now then, I guess. Um, so Stregobor is the wizard, a.k.a. Sor- sorcerer and wizard and witch and sorceress seem to be pretty much interchangeable. Uh, watching the first three episodes, I tried to take note of the, the world building. It seems like they prefer to be called sorcerer and sorceress and that wizard and witch are some mildly pejorative version of those things uh did you guys either of you pick up on that at all or is that in my head yeah i think I'd i agree with you i, think I agree yeah it's kind of like how you don't go uh, to a prostitute and say hey whore they would be like eh, i don't really like that one but well i prefer okay. lady of the night sure escort yes escort um, yes it's it's the proper title i earned my it's phd like, sir. it's like when i was watching fanboys the other day and they get duped by those escorts and he's like, ah, I'm not, I didn't even order these whores. And she's like, we're escorts. And he's like, is there a difference? And she's like, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> so Stregobor is the wizard. And I love when we get introduced to Stregobor. He's, his tower is filled with like this, all these, these dozens of nude women just whimsically walking about this little fairy garden. Mm-hmm. And you find out very quickly that it's an illusion because Geralt's not to be fooled by those titties. And it, <laughs> You find out that Stregobor just did that. He's like, it's a lot more pleasant to be around here, don't you think? You know, <laughs> something like that. And Geralt's just like, I mean, I guess I've got a point. So I'm around with the did you know that this, magic. the guy who plays Stregobor is Mads Mikkelsen's brother? I did know that because he was in um, George Mikkelsen season three. <laughs> what, what was he in, Andy? Sherlock season three. Oh, the BBC show. Yeah. I did not yeah. know that. That is awesome. You've been watching the BBC? What a strong pedigree, Stregobor. Um, apparently, though, and this is one of the things I'm picking up on the rewatch because the dialogue's a little confusing. So the wizard who's supposed to live there is a wizard named Igrion, and Stregobor is posing as the wizard Igrion, right? Um, it's just easier that way. you know. Well, he's hiding from Renfrey, mm-hmm. uh, but he's going anyway. I just thought that was, it doesn't even matter. That's probably why I didn't understand it the first time. But also, he doesn't want to have to change the locks and change that's the post office. You know, it's just a whole hassle, man. You just, I just assume the people's life. But I love that he immediately told Geralt the truth, too, though. Like, my real name is Stregobor. I'm hiding here. You know, <laughs> it's like, you also, know, these titties yeah. are fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. By the way, um, Bro actually, the, whole body, the whole body's fake. I can't even get um, it up. I don't know why I do this. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. I'm a strange man. Uh, so long story short, Stregobor had Marilka works for Stregobor. She she brought she sent the Witcher to him not to sell the Kikimora, but because Stregobor wants Geralt to kill Renfrey. OK, and then Geralt's like, eh, but we'll get to that in a second. So then we cut to which is a timeline change. You don't find this out till many episodes later. Uh, Siri posing as a street urchin to play dice in the streets. She's out there waxing some motherfuckers for their money. And she does that for fun because she's actually a princess of Sentra. Um, So this, when it cuts to Siri, we're cutting to like 20 years later, but we don't know this because we're stupid. So through Stregobor, the show early on asks the question, and I want to talk a little philosophically now, 
what is a monster? What is it, baby? Lay it down. That's a theme throughout the entire show that I love. Um, like, what is a monster? Because some of these creatures that Geralt's killing are just animals, basically, that doing what they're born to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that that's interesting. And then we have this huge dialogue monologue thing about uh, greater versus lesser evils. Andy quoted it earlier with uh, you know, supposedly a man who doesn't do impersonations, but he did a wonderful impersonation of Geralt. Yeah, um, you do. And, and <laughs> that was more Batman, but I, I'm pick, and the, the difference is very small between betwixt the two. Um, where's the trigger? Um, where's the geeky mora? And I, I love this strong moral high ground that a man like uh, the Witcher tries to take. And it's very cool. And it is a cool line, you know, like there is no greater and lesser evil. Whenever there's a evil to choose from, I'd rather not choose. Damn it. But we all know later he's forced to choose. We're at war, uh, Gerald. Pick a side. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. We cut back to Sentra uh, going to war with Nilfgaard. It, it, it's an opening scene. and They're celebrating kind of a ball. You get the idea. Hopefully you got the idea. I'm going to break it down for everybody. Break it um, down. So the queen of Sentra is a woman named Kalanth. Her husband, the king, his name is Eist, E-I-S-T. And their granddaughter is Cirilla, a.k.a. Siri. These people okay. look we'll, great for being grandparents. I'm just going to throw that out there. And they, they are very young. They look so they're good. Like and, and they still fuck, man. They're still talking about fucking right in front of their granddaughter. I know. He's like, I'm tired from waxing your grandma all nice night. <laughs> and she's like, ew. Gross. Um, and then smiles at him. I'm like, yeah. What? He do be waxing my grandma. <laughs> Sawing her in half, man. But they're fun people. They're, they're sex positive. They're good to their people. They're great to their granddaughter. That's the sense that you're getting, right? I want to hang out with them. And I think that's what you, you're supposed to feel. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to paint that picture of Queen Calantha, King Iced, and their granddaughter, Cirilla. And we'll meet their daughter later on. Um, but they very quickly do some serious world building right there in that scene. That's so hard to follow. What of the ships of Skellige? Oh, they're stuck on the Isle. Blah, blah, blah. What about the Nilfgaardians? Oh, they wouldn't dare the elven, whatever. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. So we got Skellige. We got Nilfgaard. We got some elves. There's an Isle that you threw out in there somewhere. Uh, you also mentioned the wild hunt real quick shortly in that scene. Like they just went all over the place. Like, Hey, there's a whole big world here. Yeah, they definitely did. And I don't know that it's super important, but when you're trying really hard to understand, it's frustrating. I only knew Skellige from the video games. So mm-hmm. I can assume, I think that Iced is from Skellige and he was, you know, royally married to join their two nations with right. Queen Calanth early in life. Right. I assume so. Yeah. Um, the Wild Hunt is just an Easter egg for gamer fans, I think. So that's not important at all. But yeah, there's a lot. So Nilfgaard is sort of like, I believe, a northern territory on the continent uh, and the whole world by the way is referred to as the continent and uh which is creative and Nilfgaard's up i think <laughs> in the north skellige is like its own little island i think as i recall doesn't matter anyway but yeah andy's right there's a lot you don't even know as a, as a viewer of the show for the first time what the fuck center is or that this is taking place 20 years later or anything you know what I mean? right it's a lot and luckily the characters are so cool you don't really care would it would it make sense just in the context of <clears throat> excuse me of the show that we kind of just break the episode down timeline by timeline. So like talk about the story of uh, cilantro, whatever this country's called. Uh, 
scintillating. <laughs> right? um, and then we do Geralt and then we if do. I didn't take notes that way. And it's going to be like, it's going to be me going, uh, trying to find my next you piece Geralt of shit. through line. You piece of shit. You need to anticipate me. All right. <laughs> I should have. That would have been a great idea. At least I did the work early on and I told our stupid viewers that there were three timelines, right? Because they weren't going to catch on to that. On Especially if they were talking, listen to us talk. Evan knows Andy in the back. Sure. Of course. I said for sure. <laughs> just difference. insulting them real deep in the back. Like, yeah, definitely not. Um, so anyway, just like Steve said, what he wanted me to do, we cut back and Renfrey meets Geralt in the woods. So he's already talked to Stregobor. He's basically told him to buzz off. He's not going to kill Renfrey. He meets uh, Geralt in the woods. He's sitting there hanging out with his horse Roach, which is a, he's a, he's a big pothead. So he named his horse Roach. And uh, so she gives him her side of the story. Uh, by the way, what is Stregobor's side of the story? I guess that's worth mentioning. Cause that's kind of comes back later and I didn't really understand it. Um, he claims that certain princesses were, that were born or maybe even just women. In I, th- general, I think it was just women that were born eclipse, during this eclipse. Yeah. Had what some sort of power, they had mutations and there was some sort of prophecy or destiny of theirs where they were going to end the continent. Um, So so he went around just murdering them and performing autopsies on them, right? Essentially. Yeah. Um, And uh, Renfri, I believe is the last of them. Yeah. And he told this story where Renfri like basically brutally murdered all these innocent people. When her version of the story is that Stregobor went, sent his men to get her and i think they just robbed and raped her and then left her there yeah right it's weird how she phrases though because she's like they robbed me raped me no more princess and i've been having to fight to live ever since and i'm like do you lose your royalty if you lose your uh virginity in this world like that that was a little lost on me but there is perhaps some sort of like um because i know in our own world's history uh, quote unquote, unchaste woman was of very little value. Right. But sure. Yeah. I don't know if something like that happened or simply just took her, her own sense of self and, you know, made yeah. her so angry or whatever that she was unable to return to her life, whatever the case may be, that sound that rang is more true. So in fact, Stregobor is the asshole, which we already got the sense just by meeting him. I mean, I made a bunch of naked chicks for my palace, you know, <laughs> like it's obviously he's a douchebag. Who's the asshole now? I like to party. <laughs> Carol's walking. She's like, bro, give him a high five. I like, I like to party. My best friend's that 10 year old I told to come get you. So, of course, I got to make up some friends in my tower. The little girl sounds like milk. I don't know what her name is. Uh, so, this is where we get our first hint that I didn't catch the first time that there are multiple timelines at work because we've already met Queen Kalantha and we know that she's a veteran of many battles. I think she's like the lioness of Sentra is her name. Um, and then Renfrey in her dialogue with uh, Geralt in the woods says Queen Kalantha of Sentra just won her first battle. And I was smiled. I thought that was neat. That was a neat little hint. Did you guys catch that on your rewatch? I sure did. That was Super neat. There's a couple in these first three episodes that are solid. Yeah, I'm starting to find them and I'm like, oh, they, they, they were laying crumbs all along. And Geralt basically tries to convince her that this this trauma that happened to you doesn't have to define your whole life. You could leave Blaviken and go be happy instead of trying to kill Stregobor. I'm not going to kill him or you. I'm going to roll. I'm going to peace out. And, uh, you know, she's like, how do you live your life as a witcher? Everybody hates you, too. 
And he's like, well, I don't lash out because then I would be what they say I am. Because, you know, he's a wise, he's a wise old man. Look at the white hair. He's a right? wizened witcher. He's a wizened, wizened witcher. So we cut back to Queen Calanthe's battle with Nilfgaard. Literal, a literal open battle. Uh, it's really well done. It's hard to pull these off. And uh, I think it was great. It's, 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 the fighting in this show is super brutal. Yeah, dude, I love it. getting heads chopped off and like axes smashing at the camera and stuff. Super dope. Right in their face and really good sound design. I think like the the tumult and the swords clashing together. That sounds dumb, but it's, it's done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. Sounds great and surround sound. The, what do you, you got, Steve? You could tell the this main big battle between these two forces in particular was done with a lot fewer people than are actually on the screen. You know, you, you can tell that they're like really making the most of what few resources they have to make this battle look larger than life. Uh, and they do a really good job of it. And also I, I remember the first time watching this, I was really taken uh, back that uh, what's his name? Geist. Ice. Ice. Uh, that he just gets an arrow in the eye and dies. And I remember that caught me off guard because I thought that he was going to be around for a much a little bit longer. And he's kind of like the first domino to fall in the rest of the episode where all these characters that you're kind of introduced to and immediately take a liking to just kind of bite the dust pretty quickly to set up uh, a series uh, storyline. Yeah. I mean, he probably thought he was going to be around a lot longer, too, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and and I, in, I, in a way, because of the timelines, they, they're not done with these characters, um, which is interesting, but like that's the dead giveaway is when Queen Calantha is alive later when Geralt shows up, you know what I mean? You're like, <laughs> right. I think something fishy going on here. <laughs> um, that's, what when, that's when I caught on. Um, I was actually prepared for this. I was forged in the fires of Westworld for this timeline tomfoolery. Um, so I handled it pretty well the first time. And I, I'm actually going to, to take Steve's advice and try to just finish out series plotline in episode one here. Cause I think it'll be faster. Um, so yeah, the violence is brutal. We're, we're introduced to the sorcerer of, of Centra's court, his, whose unfortunate name is mouse sack. Um, yes. I, I don't, is, is that I don't, his, is that his God given name? Is that his Christian it, name? Mouse sack. His, his Christian name is mouse sack. Yes, or was mouse that sack. just a, a, a college hazing name that just stuck? <laughs> What's that? You're a little mouse sack. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be a real wizard one day. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> He's got angry and studied the study, the dark arts. Um, yeah. So we talked about King iced falls. He gets shot in the face with a fucking arrow. The queen is wounded. She's brought back somehow to the castle where Siri uh, and a lot of the poor members who had, uh, attended that party are, are waiting to see the outcome of the battle. And uh, shit goes awry. Shit goes awry very quickly. Yeah, the army uh, starts, you know, pounding at the gates. They're they're really kind of, you know, the walls are closing in on this uh, on this palace. And I I really love how they kind of demonstrate this uh, this kingdom falling. It's very sad and like touching yeah. uh, because you, you see the wizard's powers fall. Mouse sex, you know, he can't. I do love how he's like, the wall will hold as long as I hold. And I then know. Like, and then he enters later and just randomly like, up oh, the wall's down. It, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Head boop. I know that. That's my bad. <laughs> I took a shit for five minutes. In the I ring. think I overpromised and underdelivered. I'm really sorry about that, guys. <laughs> I love that. I noticed that too this time. She's like, how long will it hold? And he's like, it'll hold as long as I hold. And then, like, as soon as, in. literally, like two minutes later, he's, it cuts to him walking into the room. Ah, it's down. I don't know. I don't know, guys. <laughs> <laughs> kind of got away from me there. 
but yeah, the way they doing something. The way they show the queen dying and then uh, I, I, what were these people, the, the other family where the husband gives his wife and kid the poison to drink and the, the I mom, love this scene. The I'll mom's like me. forcing the poison down his throat. And he's like, what's going on, mom? This is Gatorade. Let me set the stage. So we learn a lot about Nilfgaard, right? Apparently they take no prisoners. She, and she's telling her granddaughter this, right? She's like, look, they they cut out tongues. They burn legs while people watch. They rip their insides become their outsides. Sides and it's like that that character Watt from Knight's Tale. Your entrails will become your extrails. Like he's just giving the speech. <laughs> um, so she's telling him all this. Nilfgaardians are terrible people. So she hands uh, she has her palace guard hand poison to all of the you know the the members of the court and the people who attended the party. But this particular family that Steve's talking about, I noticed at this time it's bizarre. They get the poison. And she's like, this is how we get free, right? So she drinks it. She pours it down her son's throat. And the dad stabs himself in the throat. With (laughs) with scissors, I think. (laughs) Homie ain't going out with poison. He's like, well, he only had two two vials. Three bottles and he took two. And uh, I think that it's supposed to be like they often do this in fantasy stories where it's like poison is for women, children and cowards. And uh, I think that that was supposed to be like that kind of thing where it's like I can't die that way like because i'm a nobleman or whatever i'm a man i'm gonna stab myself right. with these scissors <laughs> but the man you didn't even have a knife i'm gonna make my wife poison my kid that'll be dope <laughs> i'm a man that's what men do i'm not even gonna look at him i'm gonna stare at this wall very sad very striking um and the last thing that queen calanth whispers to siri is for her to find Geralt of rivia why she knows this name, we we don't yet know. And then Calanth pulls a Tommen and leaps out the window. She's she's not one for poison either. Well, she also, I think, thinks that Geralt is there. And she says something like he's in the stable. But he he's is not, there. But he is. That, yeah, that's the sad thing. We find, I don't know if Steve knows this, but we later find out Geralt, because of the timeline fuckery, was in the city at that moment looking for Siri. Uh, and it's very unfortunate that they they didn't yet meet. Mm. Um, in fact, the part where Siri is uh, dressed as a street urchin playing playing dice, shooting dice with the kids. Hey kids, I, I let's let's play some dice. Who's got snake eyes? Is it you? Oh, it's not going to be you, little Jimmy. You suck at dice. Get out of here. We're going to take you for all your money. He senses someone watching her and looks. And I don't know if you remember that scene, Steve. She kind of looks at. The, oh yeah, the, that was Gerald. Uh, who actually was watching her. So uh, just really unfortunate that she didn't, uh, you know, meet him then. So then we find out Cirilla has incredible power. She's very upset about her grandmother's passing, screams, moves some bottles. Uh, but then later, uh, so she goes running through the tunnels. There's a guard. I forget his name. I caught it at one point. Newly knighted. Newly knighted. He, he dies very quickly. It's, it has been the honor of my life. <laughs> and then uh, starts with, with the horse. Starts with an L. It does start with an L. It's not it's loser. Not low, low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Got him. Loser. Got him. Uh, and he takes Siri down with him. She runs across the field, makes it outside the city walls somehow. Uh, and we should point out that Mouse Sack, uh, does he die on camera? I don't think he does. Not he does here. Not. No, he does. Laszlo. Was it Laszlo? I think it is Laszlo. Laszlo, I've always been protected. Why? He's like, well, here's more. Dude, yeah, I'm about to deliver exposition. Dude, that was Laszlo. I loved his radio station in the Grand Theft Auto games. I know. <laughs> nah, I know. Uh, but we find out Siri outside the walls. Uh, what is this? Kahir is the guy's name? 
the soldier of Nilfgaard. Kahir, yeah, with a C. Uh, he's a huge part in the games, right? I I can't remember. I know he's a huge character in the books. He's got the like the winged the winged helmet. Yeah. Um, but Is he anyway, the one that uh, who bullseyes uh, iced? Maybe that would be I think cool. so. He's yeah, definitely sure the dude's Laszlo. Because they they really linger on the on the archer that's in the distance for a while, and I think it's imply that it's this guy. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, so then she's able to like split the earth uh, along a fault line, basically with her with her unknown as of yet power. And that is the end of series plotline for episode one. So now let's finish off old G-Man. Let's finish off the G-Man. Uh, so we cut back to to Geralt. And he, like like I said, he was just asked by Renfrey to join to join her in the quest to kill Stregobor. And then she acts like he's convinced her. And this is where I get a little confused. She acts like he convinced her and says, you know what? I'm going to leave Flavikin. And he's like, dope. Uh, but then he has like this wet dream. Is what I this is my take on things. Please correct me. He has like a wet dream where he's having sex with Renfrey, uh, and he gets a little bit of a prophecy about what's about to happen. You're gonna kill everybody in Blaviken, and then they're gonna stone you, and then you gotta find the girl in the woods. It's your destiny. And he wakes up. So, did you guys interpret that? And that seems to be why he goes back to Blaviken to find out what what Renfrey's doing. Did you guys interpret that that he actually slept with Renfrey? I don't know. I'm really hazy on this too. Um, because like, I, because it kind of cuts to a semi sex scene with them, but they look like they're indoors. And then when he comes back to, he's still outdoors, which says to me that I, I think that she like used some kind of magic on him because it's revealed very shortly after this. She actually is like mutated in some way. Like he tries to use magic on her and it doesn't work. And she said, magic doesn't work on me, but silver does, which is the monster metal. Silver is for monsters. And so I, I feel like she used some kind of magic on him. And I don't know if it was supposed to have been like a prophecy thing or not, because if it was, then that's very much her living up to being not necessarily a monster. Of course, the answer was somewhere in between. But uh, maybe she actually does have like some kind of powers. And that was part of it that like maybe she even already knew her fate that she was going to die there. I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. What do you think, Steve? I thought they went to pound town population, the two of them. I, you know, I always interpreted that too, or at least either way. She he like, falls in love. He falls in love with her. I like you know your guys' explanation and more though. I think that's cool. It haunts him for the rest of his life. He did have a strong pull toward her. And I want to stop for a second and bring this up too. It's important because I talked earlier about how like, the question of what is a monster is, a, is an important through line of this whole show. Um, Geralt tells the story to Roach, his horse, of his first monster that he kills, which is actually a human rapist. Right. Um, and I love that, uh, that you, you get this kind of twist in the middle of his story that you find out very quickly. It was just a human that was a monster of a person. Right. Because, um, you know, he talks about the first monster I've ever killed. It was bald and huge. And you know, he ripped the dress right off the girl and said, time you met a real man. And uh, I was like, oh, it's, you know, it, it, it's the theme of, of what really is a monster is, is, is an important through line. Um, so Geralt arrives in Blaviken to find out what's going on. I think he already assumes that uh, Renfrey is up to, to no good. Now, what I don't understand, other than I guess that he cares about her, is why he feels the need to intercede in like, obviously, he doesn't really care enough to save Stregobor, right? So is he trying to save Renfrey from herself? 
Yeah, I, that's how I took it. He because he he tells her that you know he she can walk away, live a normal life, and not prove to them that she is the monster they think she is. And I think that's he's what up, he's trying to do. That's the only explanation because otherwise he has no you know, like moral he's got or no skin legal in the game. recourse to intercede. Right. Um, so he, he enters Blaviken and all of uh, Renfrey's lackeys try to stop him immediately. There's like seven or eight of them, uh, and they pull out their swords and they say some really hearty shit. And um, what happens next? And I'm going to I'm going to go. This is without hyperbole. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I mean, it's an opinion, but I'm going to say something pretty controversial. I spent my entire adult and adolescent life being obsessed with swords and sorcery and, and action movies and things like that. I think what happens in this scene is the best sword fight scene of anything ever. I think that this is the best, most engaging, coolest choreography involving it's really good. fantastical swords. And I'm talking, you can put Lord of the Rings, you can put Gladiator, you can put Troy, you can put whatever the f- Game of Thrones, anything you want. <laughs> and I think that this bests it. It's fucking incredible. It is quick and brutal. It is unique, like his particular style, the way he uses swords. Yeah, he's, he's got two broad swords that he's using as daggers, which is incredible. Like he's like, he's such a big man. He's yeah. able to maneuver them that way. But little things like at one point he stabs a guy uh, with a, like a, a long sword through the mouth and then twists it up quickly. And like, little shit like that. It's like, that is really cool. That was super um, dope. It makes me think of like the only other sequence that I can kind of compare this to, because it's basically just a badass with two swords wrecking house is that scene in like season six, I think of uh, game of Thrones when we get finally get to see Arthur Dane, which like as a book reader was like, Oh my God, there yeah. he is. There he is. There he is. That's and a good one him wrecking house against morning. like Ned Stark and all of his friends and shit, which, so yeah, like it's up there as one of the best sword fights ever. So now it begins. Cool. Now it and ends. Get, and there's another game nod right here as well. We get, uh, he does this move where he kind of like stomps and puts his forearm out and this like wave of telekinetic energy pushes the mob back. Um, yeah, Ard. Isn't that yeah. what the move's called? Yeah, which is the Ard sign uh, from the game. So I thought that was cool. I'm so happy that you remember that because I would not have been <laughs> able to remember what those signs are called. It's the Ard sign, my friend. I remember um, Ard and Igni. I can't remember the rest. Those are the only two I used a lot. I gotta have that fire. Um, so then he finds Renfrey and she's got Marilka at, at knife point and, uh, and she looks at him and she her heart breaks and she says, you chose which I thought was really powerful because he it's this through line through this episode where he says, you know, between two evers, evil evers, uh, <laughs> you're a sorceress of evil. Uh, <laughs> the lesser evil. Lesser evil. It's all, it, it's all evil to me. Um, <laughs> That's the witcher I want. He said that uh, mustard and biscuits. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that he refuses to choose and she says you chose, but it's obviously in her mind, she chose, he chose against her. And then she kind of uh, attacks him pretty quickly. And he's like, if we cross swords and she says, I won't be able to stop, which is neat. I thought, cause it's like, that was going to be his line, but also it applies to her is the way I took it. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. there's this flirt and she's, you know, you could take it where she's almost able to best him. I took it like he was holding back a lot. Uh, as much well, as he, he almost could. kills her like three times and stops himself every time. 
Yeah. She's definitely and, the most competent fighter that he's had this whole time because he just ran through everybody so quickly and then he gets to her and she's actually putting up some bit of a fight, but he's clearly better than her. Yeah, and he's super holding back. And at one point he's wounded twice and he does this uh, block with the sword behind his back. I, I thought it was super cool. Yeah, um, that angle was really sweet. The, like the over-the-shoulder shot we get yeah. right after the block where he's like looking back, super cool. I've uh, I've seen this this scene in particular dozens of times. I just watch it all the time. I just think it's an amazing. This is where at this point in the show, I was like, this is really entertaining. I was sold. I was going to watch the other seven episodes immediately as soon as I watched this scene. But and when she does finally die, it's almost an accident at that point too. And I really love that. I don't know if you guys got the same sense, but it looks like he's bringing the knife up to her throat again to to pause and it looks like the hilt of the knife is what punctures her jugular is that is that what you guys see no i think this was totally on purpose yeah because he pauses a little bit and then she starts to move again and he plunges it into her well he makes her plunge it into herself yeah like when she he disarms her and then she goes at him with just the dagger and he very quickly just like turns her own hand around at her and pokes in her throat and then he rips her arm out to cut her throat the rest of the way to actually kill her. So I a hundred percent think this was on purpose, but it was the hilt of the blade though that went in. Right. Oh, I don't know. I thought that it was the, I need to watch it again. Actual. It didn't look like the whole blade went in, but maybe it did because she's pretty quickly dispatched, but she falls. And this is where I got some like rewatch questions for you guys. Um, we all know what happens next, right? Uh, Stregobor comes out like, oh, what happened? <laughs> I win. And this- <laughs> Oh, no, you didn't possibly kill the girl, did you? <laughs> you didn't. Oh, she's dead. That's sad. And then so the townsmen surround him. There's a scene. It looks like Stregobor uses magic to create the mob. And I'd never noticed that before. I had thought that they uh-huh. were all actually mad, which and it made no sense why they would be. But my interpretation now is Renfrey does have magical powers and she basically magically seduced the men that followed her. Like she just, that's her power is just people want to do what she says. And which is why Stregobor was hiding and Stregobor did something similar. Cause you can see as the Witcher says, you're not going to touch her body because he wants to perform an autopsy on it. As soon as Stregobor sees that he's going to put up a fight with him, taking the body, he seems to like, do wizard shit with his hands. And I know the listeners can't see me, but it looks like he opens his palms and fingers and like pulls them down and goes, which you butchered these men. As soon as he does that, everyone's like, yeah, what the fuck? Get out of here. I just never noticed that before. Maybe I'm making it up and maybe they were just organically upset. I no, thought I they were right. I, I took it. I mean, you might be right. I, I thought they were organically upset because, you know, we'd already established that that town's not super witcher friendly. And then from their perspective, this guy just came in and just killed a bunch of their drinking buddies. So, I mean, I could see where it's like, oh, the, the white haired guy came and killed my friend Gary. Gary, get up. You still owe me a beer. <laughs> Gary. Uh, no, I uh, I definitely think that he. Uh, um, enchanted the crowd because even then Marilka is like, you get the fuck out of here, Witcher. It's Never like, come back. He just saved your she, life. She old yellered him. Yeah, he that already liked him. Him. Get out. Go. <laughs> I'm Live going your with life. that too. I think Stregobor bewitched the mob because before I always read it like those guys are, that's just really out of nowhere, you know, but now it makes perfect sense. It's supposed to be. Um, and so now we know why he's called the Butcher of Blaviken. Yeah. So a couple more uh, little Easter eggs that I caught this watch around that I didn't mention yet. 
Um, uh, we already talked about how Siri, while fleeing the city, narrowly misses Geralt. And we talked about when she looks left that he's there. We talked about the Ard sign. Iced mentions the betrothal feast when he's talking at this party. And that's in reference to something we actually see in episode four with the law of surprise and where Geralt originally gets tied to Siri's life. And then Mouse Sack, when oh, he's I talking to when Mousek talks to Siri while she's stuck while they're having the battle, he mentions um, trying to scare her. You know, they used to lock little bitches in towers and torture them and stuff. Maybe we should do that again because you're always talking smack. Yeah. And I think that's in reference to Stregobor talking about the locking the girls in the towers that were born on the eclipse. The princess is there, which yeah, totally. it's, it's a it, really subtle uh, nod to it being multiple timelines. It's awesome. Yeah. Yep. That one, that one's really tough, you know, so that, that one's not really fair to catch, but cause it's just like the, you get the general sense that he's talking about something longer ago than Stregobor is, you know what I mean? So that's, <laughs> that's the timeline hint there, but that is the end of episode one, the ends beginning. And we'll move right into episode two entitled four marks. And this is mostly Yennefer's story that we do get some Geralt and I'll try to do Steve's thing. You know, just forgive me if I stumble, but I'm going to try to cover Yennefer's and then go back and cover Geralt's. Hey buddy, if you stumble, I'll pick you right pick, back up. Pick me up, friend. Don't you worry pick about me it. Up. Don't you worry about a thing, my friend. So uh, Yennefer is played by Anya Chalatra. I believe is how you pronounce that. A uh, phenomenal actress. I think she did an incredible job. Uh, she's a disfigured young woman. She's got like a hunchback. Uh, and she always looks like she's got a can of dip in her jaw. I think that's part of it. Uh, is that rude? Uh, I just like the idea of like her jaw isn't actually messed up. She's just a big fan of skull, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, she's a farm worker, you know? That long cut, um, none of that pouch bullshit. Definitely not pouches, yeah. Um, pouches in her back. So then she's bullied and outcast and has powers. So it opens up. It's uh, too to like, you know, farm denizens, fellow country bumpkins, the kind of bumpkin most in the barn. obnoxious couple I've Ever. seen on Netflix. I do since. like daisies. You're not getting up in here with that daisy. This is like the <laughs> me- medieval version of what were, what were Steve Harrington's two friends in season one of Stranger Things? Uh, oh, I forget. The, you, mean, you know who I'm talking about. Those two yeah. fucking idiots. Like if they were in medieval times, it'd be this couple. Like, oh, I didn't want my daisy, but where is it? Oh, right. there's a, yeah. there's a crippled girl. It, Let's go goes. badger her for existing. Yeah. They Tommy her. H and Carol. Yes. Look that up. Fuck yeah. Tommy H and Carol. <laughs> for sure. So uh, she is able to portal. She portals to Aratuza accidentally. So she basically teleports to this uh, school <laughs> of really weird. wizardry. I'm a portaler. And yeah. I love how it, that's some clunky dialogue, too. So she meets a character named Istrid. He's a sorcerer in training. We find out later. Uh, and he's he just very cavalierly. He's like, oh, what's up? You just portaled here. And she, <laughs> she's like, I what? Yeah, you portaled. You portaled all up in here. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you did. You portaled so, so he, much. <laughs> he creates a portal for her to go back and says, because you did that, she, quote unquote, is going to target you. You better run. Um, and even though he used a special portal that you can't track, definitely tracks it. So, uh, but, you know, he's a sorcerer in training. It's it's whatever. Uh, and then Jennifer's dad sells her for six marks less than he would have sold his pig to the witch. So the witch asks how much for a pig. And she said, he says 10 marks. And he's like, oh, how, how much for the, for the chick? For this and he's beast. Like, Four marks. <laughs> Dude, Morocco got 15 for a dead dog. I mean, shit. 
I know. And there's a lot of money in episode three. I wrote it down. I hear the term ducats, uh, orans and marks spoken, referring to money in this world. And it could be the different currencies of the different countries. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, I, yeah it is. I, I think the the first one you just said is from uh, Tamaria, which is where the Striga was at. But that's for another. No, they use they use orans in Tamaria. Oh, shit. Ducats was from episode two. This one here. I don't know. The currency is really hard to get a hold of in this town. That's all we're saying. It's that pig economy, um, man. It's all over the place. So the rectoress of Aratuza, aka the person who trains the sorceresses, the witches, her name is Tessaia DeVries. And she buys uh, Yennefer for four marks and takes her to the School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Uh, and Yennefer immediately Hogwarts? Yes. <laughs> Jennifer immediately tries to kill herself. Uh, she breaks the mirror, grabs the glass. And when we cut back to her, we realize that she has tried to kill herself and Tessaia has saved her. And we find out she's a witch teacher. We learn of magic in this land, which again, I haven't read the books, but I think the explanation of how it works is pretty neat and pretty unique. Um, they call magic, uh, the source of magic is, is chaos and sorcerers and sorceresses are manipulators of chaos but you can't just make something out of nothing whole cloth. It takes from the world whenever you make something. Uh, and that's shown very awesomely with Frangilla uh, le- levitating the rock. And then her hand kind of wilts and becomes decrepit. That's the, the price having been paid for using the magic. I love how the school is just so cavalier about harming its students, you know, like, yeah, yeah, she, yeah her, she's like, I levitated the rock and then her hand just fucking dies on her. And the teacher's like, oh, I probably should have told you that, but I didn't because <laughs> I'm thank you for no. She's like, thank you for that excellent uh, display of what happens uh, if you're not careful. It's like, well, you could have just told us as well. Go see the nurse. <laughs> also, anyone I don't feel is going to ascend is going to be turned into an eel to power the lights in this building. Did it, oh, did I not mention that before when you signed up? <laughs> Aratusa is like uh, makes Hogwarts look like a safe place to send your children. Because <laughs> uh, I always thought that was funny about Hogwarts too. It'd be like, oh, we turned Gary into a newt and can't figure out how to turn him back, and accidentally stepped on him, and like that shit would happen all the time in Harry Potter. And like, <laughs> these are people's children that are learning things. Those were just fun. Hogwarts shenanigans, man. Magic be dangerous. Uh, I love the architecture of Aratusa. You know, they do uh, establishing shots of Aratusa more than anywhere else. I feel like in this show, and that's I think they're so proud of the the, the model work that they did. Uh, but it, it's really different and stark and cool. Uh, you've got this like alien. Um, almost like Blade Runner architecture and then like a tiny bridge that leads to what's called uh, Torlara, the Tower of the Gaul, which is like where all this shit goes down with with Istrid and those folks. This is a, an interesting part of the show because uh, on the last episode of uh, Streaming Things, we were, when we were talking about Wheel of Time, I was saying how I was really annoyed at that show because so many of the actors looked very anachronistic. Like they just looked like they were too beautiful to exist in this medieval realm. Mm-hmm. And the Witcher is a great way, a uh, great showcase in how you can do that and make it fit in the world. Because you look at Geralt and the people in Blaviken, they look, you know, downtrodden, they're dirty, they're disgusting, they they live there. You go here with all the wizards, and not so much now because they're in training, so they look a little roughed up from doing all the spells. But later on and in, in, in later episodes... Uh, they really start looking like way too beautiful to live in this world, but it fits because they're magical. And so they're using magic to achieve this look. Yeah. They, they, they literally have like uh, a makeover guy. Mm-hmm. 
you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's, it's an OBGYN slash makeup artist. Cause we'll yeah. hit hysterectomy and then, you know, do some plastic surgery. Hey, the things you do for beauty, man. Yeah. Uh, without anesthesia, we'll, we'll get to that though. Um, so then Jennifer is a kind of a slow learner. Uh, she's not able to lift the rock for what we find out is two weeks. Cause time, you got to think too, this is decades passing, not this episode, but Jennifer's plotline is, is many decades passing. So her training is some years, but it looks like an episode, um, but it takes her a couple of weeks to move the rock. And then she lies directly to, uh, to say his face. Um, she goes to, she, she falls in love with Istrid. He teaches her how to do the, uh, telepathy thing. Uh, and we find out some, some interesting dynamics of their relationship, but I think they do, he does legitimately fall in love with her. And then, uh, we go to the lightning in a bottle exercise. So it's like the third teaching point of her learning magic is to catch literal lightning in a bottle. And, uh, she doesn't catch the lightning, but she catches it in her body and is able to fire it off at, at the other girls and at the teacher in particular. And that's an even more powerful display. And I thought that was cool. Cause it's up, up to this point, she's just not catching on. And so you're like, Oh, I know she becomes a powerful witch. So why is she in like the, she's riding the short bus at wizard school right now. And I'm really, you know, I'm really upset. Um, so then I, my favorite line in this part too, by the way, I laughed out loud and I don't know if I was supposed to, but one of the girls, I think it's Sabrina or I don't know, one of the dumber ones. She's like, I need you to catch lightning in this bottle. And one of the girls goes, that's impossible. And to say, it goes, no, it's magic. And I just started <laughs> laughing. Like, yeah, I mean, you're at magic school. Why, yeah, right. point, why would you say you can't do that? It's against the rules. That's not you can't do that. I love the girl that catches lightning in the bottle. She's like, I did it. And then it just blows up her fucking face. <laughs> gets a bunch of glass in her eye. The, the rest of that, the rest of that scene, whenever someone did catch lightning in the bottle, I'm like, don't put it next to your face. Why are you looking at it? Why are you no, looking at it? Look what happened to overly confident. And they're look what it did to Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Susie went down. Uh, the force first per, poor girl just got struck by lightning completely. So that's, I think the point where you find out that um, to say it does believe in Yennefer. And in fact, she knows she's the most powerful. She knows she's like the rest of them. Some of them keep their emotions to themselves, but they're not like us. And she compares Yennefer to her. And obviously she's the most powerful sorceress. She's the rectoress. So Cause, cause <laughs> Yen, like, tries okay. to, Yen tries to kill her in this scene, or at least yes. attack her. Cause she, she catches the lightning, but it somehow is like stored within her. And she mm -hmm. kind of leans off to the side in pain, but then she gets really angry and shoots the lightning back. at. She's, she's able to release it as a, as a weaponized projectile, yeah. which is a whole nother level. That's not till lesson four. She's basically reading at a college level in middle school right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and to, uh, to say, uh, recognizes that. So then we get to, I think the next Yennefer scene is when Yennefer opens a portal on the first try. She portaling. And yeah. He's like, how do you be portaling on the first try? And Yennefer, we find out is a quarter elf. So the guy who sold her is her stepdad and, uh, her real father was half elf. And, uh, that's an important quality because even though we've skipped around other plot lines, we've learned a lot about elves in this episode and elves are the basis of all magic. Uh, do you guys know the origin of the world in this universe at all? Not very well. Like the creation myth? Sort of. Um, I learned a little bit. So apparently the continent was inhabited only by elves 
And then um, all of the monsters and other races, including the humans, came to the continent through something called the conjunction of the spheres. So to my understanding, it's a sort of like enter the Spider-Verse kind of scenario. Yeah, like that, the hum- that humans had me. their own plane and the monsters mm-hmm. had their own planes and they all joined on this continent where the elves were and the elves were like, fuck. Uh, so the elves were there first and they used chaos magic. They taught humans how to uh, manipulate the chaos into magic. And then the humans started eradicating the elves and, and taking it for their own, basically. As you do. Yes. As the, one uh, actually as humans America, do. Yes. As we do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I bet there's a celebration called Thanksgiving in, in the, on the continent. <laughs> so this plant only grows where Elden blood has been spilt. And that's the plant that she uses uh, to make the portal. And she takes that back to Tesea and you find out she actually is doing Tesea's bidding. She's told her everything about Istrid uh, and she's, she's ascending quickly, literally actually later on in the episode to the, to the status of sorceress. Um, and Taseya calls her by her name for the first time. Instead of Piglet, she calls her Yennefer in that moment when she hands her the flower. And I thought that was cool. So that's that's where you kind of realize, okay, she's she's here to stay. Uh, but then we also find out that Istrid is reporting to Stregobor. And that's where another timeline hint, because Stregobor, of course, is is often Blaviken hiding, but not, not yet. He's still in... Um, I don't Eratusa. have need for my imaginary titty girls. I have yeah, friends now. Yet. He's still he's still learning how to Oh, make where Stregobor will be in just a few short years, probably a more of this, I imagine. <laughs> yes, I'll be a lord of all of this. Performance review. Where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, definitely not hanging out with Milk Girl. <laughs> That's for true. Definitely not. Uh, by the way, the 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 order of men or the school of men, I'm not sure, is actually called Bonard, B-A-N-A-R-D. Uh, so there's there's Aratusa and Bonard, as far as I could tell, are two separate things, but they're kind of in the same area. Um, and then uh, edit point. I accidentally said a lot of my notes from memory and now I'm reading stuff I've already said. Oh, from memory, you say. Uh, so then we cut back. The very end of Yennefer's story is her being chosen as one of the main uh, women to ascend to the status of sorceress, right? And uh, she turns the, the the women who failed into eels. And actually, it's really well done because she's like, wait for the knock on my door. Because Yennefer asks uh, to say us explicitly, can I ascend? I think I'm ready. She says, yeah, wait for the knock on the door. And everyone else gets a knock on the door except her. Or she hears multiple people getting knocks. And she, I think, it looks like she portaled to the the the, the eel room because she like picks up the flower. And I thought I was supposed to assume that she used magic to get there. And be portal. Um, and she watches Tesea turn three women into eels. And Tesea knows she's watching. She's like, Jennifer, come out. I know you be portaling, uh, girl. <laughs> so then we find out that, uh, you know, there are conduits. And I think there's the the line that was mentioned multiple times in Jennifer's plot line. Uh, sometimes the best thing a flower can do is die. Uh, and so we find out some of these women were brought here to fail and uh, we're going to use their power to our own benefit. And so Jennifer seems to, to relish in that and, and accept that, like I am better than them. And she kind of gleefully 
pushes the eels into the water and looks back at Taseya and, and, and smiles like, yay, mommy. And then you see that there's more than just three eels in this pond. There's quite a few. Oh, yeah. There's, it takes a lot to power the lights of Artuza. And that is the end of Yennefer's plot line in this story. And this is going to get a little dicey. You can see my skills. See if I got any. Ooh, does he got, got it? Siri and we've got uh, Geralt. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good start. You're off to a great Not start a good here. Start. Uh, Are so you portly enough up. for the portal club? Let's see. Let's find out, man. Do you want to you want to start with Siri or do you want to start with Geralt? Let's start with Siri. Okay. So Siri is running in the woods, right? She's too clean, so she starts taking a mud bath and she's used to posing as an urchin, so she's got experience with that. Puts a little mud in her hair and then she meets who we later find out is an elf named Dara, but right now he seems to be a just your average mute boy. Doesn't say a word. Yeah, you know, the average mute boy you come across in the woods. Everyone's met one. By the way, I don't know why he doesn't talk because he doesn't sound like an elf. There's no uh, different elf timbre. So he risks the fact that she won't understand his miming and she's going to eat poison berries. But instead of using the voice that we find out later, he has. He's like, well, it's probably more of a disguise because he's trying to hide the fact that he is an elf. So I think he's taking into effect like, oh, if I just play a mute kid, people will just ignore me. Because it's the medieval times, and you know that's just how people be back in the day. Yeah, we saw how they treat dwarves. Yes, and we saw how yes, they do. how they treat poor uh, hunchback women. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty much assholes to everybody, just yep. like this world, right? Yep. Uh, and then, so she she travels with uh, Dara the elf for a little while, uh, who she knows only as Rat Boy because she eats a little bit of his rat he's cooked. And uh, meets uh, what a, a great name! Fellow. Like you, you meet someone, and that's your, the nickname you choose right off the bat. Like I will name you Rat Boy. What else <laughs> would you call him? Can't talk, boy. You uh, uh, <laughs> knower hey. of knower of berries, boy. Hey, Stanky piece of shit, where you going? Ain't got no gloves, boy. I mean, hey. there's so many options. All of them are disparaging. Hey, small wiener, <laughs> come here, <laughs> fellow homeless boy. Um, and she meets a bunch of fellow refugees from the Battle of Centra. And, and joins up with them, but for some reason, uh, Dara does not join. And so boy. at the refugee camp, she gets taken in uh, by an elf murdering Taylor's son. It's who I wrote down. It's so weird. Like she gets in line at the soup kitchen, uh, and this guy's really nice to her, but she's like, Oh, what's that? And he's like, Oh, I'm just a bunch of elf ears. I kill them all the time, but my dad's a tailor and made that cloak. Uh, come on here and meet my family. It's such a weird thing. Like, why would he be? An elf murdering tailor's son. It just seems strange. Like he would maybe join the tailoring business instead of an elf murdering one since his father was a tailor. And you know, some people just have to find hobbies in this. Maybe he's the second son. Yeah. And he had to find his, make his own way as a knight. His his brother took an arrow to the brain. Remember? That's true. From an elf. He was the second son. (laughs) Aha. Um, And his family's, his whole family's bigoted because like he hates elves. Right. We find out later the whole country of Centra pretty much hates elves. But then his mom's like has a little person servant and she's just terrible to this, this servant. She's really sweet to Siri. She's like, oh, you need new shoes? Hey, Philip, take off your shoes. And then I love this moment because Siri looks in horror at the servant because, oh, my God, I can't believe she's making you give me your shoes. But the mother misreads the resignation don't worry, he's one of the clean ones. Yeah, <laughs> like, fucked up. I love that. Like, it's so characterizing and, and so clever. This um, is also a little bit of a uh, wake-up call for Siri where she finds out what people actually thought of her family. Um, it's kind of like the first, like, 
oh, the queen may she fucking rot in hell and shit. And it's like, uh, you know, all these battles over and over, we lose, they pamper themselves and we lose our husbands and sons. And so it's, she's like, she says when she first meets him that her name's Fiona. Uh, but that was before she actually knew how much that this lady also hate. She got a little taste of it from that woman in line at the soup kitchen. But then again, in that tent, the mother is like that fucking bitch, the queen, Carol Baskins. You yeah. Know right. uh, <laughs> yeah. Goddamn Carol Baskins, leader of cilantro. <laughs> cilantro. <laughs> yeah. She's a, uh... I'm broke as shit. Uh, she, uh, I'm never going to financially recover from this. I, I think a lot of them are, are I, I didn't get the impression that they always felt this way. It's more that they now they feel this way, right? They're lashing out because they're, they're homeless fleeing for their lives and yeah, they're going to blame possible. whomever they can. But either way, it's very uncomfortable for sure for Cirilla to have to sit there and, and listen to all that and hide. Um, uh, but in, uh, eventually the woman, we have this kind of sweet scene where she's laying down at night with Siri and she's they're They're sharing things and she's still not being honest about who she is, but she's hinting at it. Uh, but then she ruins it by saying something I took as racist. The the woman looks her. Let's see if you guys took it this way. But she looks at her dead in her eyes and she goes, don't worry, we take care of our own. And. I took oh, that for the I first I don't think time. that's a stretch considering what this lady has already kind of done. <laughs> right, right. But I, it, it flew over my head the first time. And I this time watching it, I was like, oh, she means like white humans, yeah. right? Like that's the way she meant my own, right? Right. Um, I mean, Annie, who is old. Uh, when we, by the time we cut back to Siri and the other refugees, it's Nilfgaard has found them and they proceed to slaughter all of them. Uh, but the mother, the matriarch of that family, gets her comeuppance. Uh, she's like swatting at her little servant and uh, being herself, right? And he decides he's not going to take her shit no more. And he brutally stabs her dozens of times. Yeah. It's like Chucky style, dude. It's like jumps on her oh, back. And is because he's a little person that jumps on their back and stabs them with a butcher knife like 70 times. That's what Chucky does. I get it. I get it. <laughs> And it's brutal like this. Scene, yeah, it is. I don't know about you guys, but this scene shocks me every time because she's still like screaming like she lives through a bunch of like, and it's a big knife. She's alive throughout the entire it's just time. It's in his hand, but it looks like a, <laughs> it looks like a rather large blade. Yeah. And she survives about 20 stabbies with it. I don't I, know. I almost feel bad for her almost be just in that moment. Cause she's being brutally murdered and she's looking at Siri like help. We oh, had, for sure. we had that connection last night. I told you I would take care of my fellow white young right. girl. I yeah, help the white lady over here getting stabbed. And Siri's and just kind of makes that like, like uh, no. choppy motion. Like nah, gotta go. No. Um, then he's going to ask for his shoes back. <laughs> I gotta get out of here. <laughs> I don't want his shoes back. I kind of need these, and I lost my dirty ones. So, bye. Uh, somehow, Dara the elf knows where she's at in the canvas tent and slices it, drags her out, and they get away. Um, that's when she finds out his name is in fact Dara, I believe. Um, and yeah, that's the end of series plotline in episode two, four marks. So finally, Geralt's storyline. Uh, is it Yaskier or Jaskier? Soft uh, J. Uh, it's J, right? Jaskier? Mm-hmm. I think it's Jaskier. Yeah, Jaskier. This, this world's version of Dandelion that we know from yeah. the video games. 
Jess the books he was called chat. Buttercup. All the character in the books is called Buttercup. Jaskier like trans translates to Buttercup. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm glad they went with Jaskier. Yeah. <laughs> you just called him Dandelion the whole time. Right. Uh, so Geralt gets a new job for 150 ducats. Isn't ducats what they called money in like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas? Oh, I have no idea. I know ducats is a is a real world term for money. Yeah, I think that's the, it was like slang for money in yeah, San Andreas. All about anyway. my ducats. Yeah, all about my ducats. Uh, Geralt gets a new job for 150 ducats. Uh, a guy in a tavern, once he finds out he's a witcher, um, says, hey, there's a monster in my fields. Uh, I'll give you 100 ducats to, to clear it. And, and Geralt's a negotiator. He's not going to take that. G-Man says, 150. It's the only thing I'll do it for. And Jeskier's bored and joins in, right? Uh, so he, he offers uh, to be the, the, the publicist, the PR guy for, for Geralt's witching about. Uh, and I love this line. He shows up to the field and they're looking for the, for the devil as the, as the town people have called it. And he talks about how this is the, the field of Dol Bothana gifted to men by elves before they fled to their golden palaces. And, uh, and he goes, there I go delivering exposition. And I, <laughs> I, I thought that that was really interesting to kind of break the fourth wall, like in a Deadpool way. Um, it, I don't think there's anything else like this in this show. So it's uncharacteristic of the show itself and the tone of the show itself, but also it's, it's unusual for a show to do that at all, but I loved it. I don't know. what do you guys think about that? I like it. It feels like it's in, uh, in uh, character for Dandelion um, to, you know, think of himself always as a storyteller. And that's what a storyteller does is deliver exposition. So that's a yes. damn good point, Andy. That's I looked up the word ducats because I was con- I was interested, uh, and apparently ducats, uh, there is a, a type of coin called a ducat, but then the but the word ducats refers to just coin based money in me- medieval Europe. So like, huh. currency can have its own particular name, but ducats is kind of like the 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 broader term for just coined money. So that's we're getting a little closer to the truth with the the ducats marks orans story yes mark marks and ducats and orans might all be the same perhaps the people must know the people have to know guys the truth is out there get your ducats in order (laughs) so we get a little bit of of a comedic comedic scene because they do find the quote-unquote devil in in the in the grass um and uh yes gears hit in the head with a rock (laughs) But first, Geralt's hit, and Jeskier's like, "Oh, I love this. This is great." Uh-huh. Oh, it's like, sure, it is a devil with a tiny cannonball. I think is what he calls it. Yeah. Uh, he's just a funny guy. He's awesome. Um, and then the Witcher tussles with who we find out is Torque the Sylvan. It's a creature called a Sylvan. His name is Torque. Uh, it's a thing. Torque the Kikimore. The very, <laughs> he's a very intelligent creature. Uh, I love that he's. What does he say? I'm. Uh, as, uh, I'm a, I'm an intelligent creature. I'm a Sylvan with intelligence, something like that. And uh, obviously Geralt's mad. He just got hit in the head with a rock and he goes, you're a dick with balls. <laughs> <laughs> really good. Really you good. Comeback. Uh, and he was like, what did, what did your mother fuck a deer or something like that? And then and then he says something about the iron in the water or something. I don't know. And then Torque goes, would your mother fuck a snowman or something? Cause he's got <laughs> white hair and they go back and forth a bit. Uh, but I like um, this Torque guy. I like the cut of his jib. 
Yeah, he's he's funny. He's funny. So basically, Geralt gets the upper hand, but says you can go free, but you can't. Stay. You ain't got to go home, but you can't stay here, right? But he he says he's not going to kill him. Uh, and then who we later find out is Philip Andrel and his really angry flunky uh, knocks <laughs> Geralt out. So we next time we cut to them, they're both tied together. Classic uh, TV show drama style, back to back, tied up. Yep. Gotta have it. And I love we, it when his when the flunky's kind of like giving him the business, like reading him the riot act, like, oh, you come and take our lands and uh, humans suck and I hate you. She like leans down to talk shit to Geralt and like he doesn't even give her a second to say a word to him before she he just like headbutts her and, yeah, and just completely awesome. incapacitates her the rest of the scene. It, it, she, she shuts up the rest of the time until the very end. It's it's played really funny. Like, I don't know if it's intended. I think it's intended to be funny, but it's actually quite funny that she's like in the middle middle of this rousing on her egg carton rant and he's like bump right right in the nose <laughs> yeah it's really well done really entertaining and that this whole scene is awesome because essentially we find out we've got little snippets of it here and there even at just at the beginning of this scene when he said oh the fields of Doblathana gifted to the men by elves and before they fled to their golden palaces there are no golden palaces right they're they're living like animals in the mountains because it's the only land they have left and Dolblathana was not gifted to men. It was stolen by men uh, and they killed a lot of the elves. Right. And so all of that is propaganda. All of it is colonialism. And they tell all these stories about elves that aren't true at all. They don't come down from the mountains in their golden palaces. They're they're running for their lives. Um, and that's that's very interesting. And you can see it kind of dawn on Jeskir. Um, and it was called the Great Cleansing. Uh, but, you know, long story short, they, you know, they talk about killing the two of them, but they eventually set them free because he set Torque free. Uh, and that's and apparently uh, he gave Jeskir, Phil Evangel gave Jeskir his loot because he broke his. And then uh, Geralt gave them all the money that it received for for hunting Torque down. So uh, and apparently in the books, Jeskir does, in fact, have Phil Evangel's loot for most of the series. So that's like, that's a, that's nice. a thing. That's a little nod to the books there. Uh, but I wanted to mention this in um, the, the room in the tower of the gall and, and, and Torlara between Istrid and Yennefer, there's all these skulls and stuff. And he does explain to her, these are the skulls of elves and this plant, I think he calls it Fainawid only grows where elder blood has spilled elder blood, meaning elven blood. Is the field of Dolblathana, does it, doesn't it have that same flower growing everywhere? Oh, it has to. Yeah. There's a vis- yeah. I thought that was neat. I, I assume flower? that it's what, what, what? The portland flower. Is that what we're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's called you know, fine wed or something. I but, only saw uh, it as I had uh, subtitles on. The wizard boy says that it, it can only grow where elder blood, meaning elf blood has been spilled. The wizard boy. Yeah, Wizard Boy. That was his name. <laughs> and that's a step uh, up from Rat Boy. The the epi- I'm glad you picked uh, Siri to go second because it's best to end with Geralt because the the episode ends with Geralt's story and it's Jaskier embellishing his new song of what just happened. And uh, at one point, Geralt stops him and says, "Hey, that's not what happened. Don't you? What, where's your newfound respect?" And uh, Jaskier, somewhat wisely with his PR knowledge, says respect does not make history. And he's right. Right. His story is better. And then he get uh, we get the song, the fucking song. So episode one ends with that phenomenal action set piece. And then this ends with this super catchy song. Toss a coin to your witcher. 
Oh, Valley of Plenty. And I, I remember just pausing it in before episode three and walking around the house, making a sandwich. <laughs> that is a fucking bop. Ooh, <laughs> you know, like, and everyone on earth stopped and was like, oh, does yeah. This, does this slap? I think I'm pretty sure it this slaps. slaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm not, a not huge... again to uh, Sonia and Giona. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. The Russian composers that made that. It is, in fact, a bop. And they meant for it to be um, a, a bop. They meant it to be an earworm that would actually catch fire on the continent. Uh, and, and, and they succeeded. Absolutely. Are there any other um, notes or things you guys want to point out from episode two, the four mar- or four marks? I'm not a super big fan of episode two, personally. Um, hey, you said that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I get it's, it's a little slower than one. And I think it's mm-hmm. I, I think my theory is that Jennifer the whole story of Aratusa, all of that is so much to take in. I think that's what slows it down for you. I think yeah. Siri and Geralt's are are fine, right? Those are just episodic oh, adventures. G- Geralt's hundred uh, percent because I'm like very invested in Ger- Geralt's story. Um, Siri, I didn't like Siri's adventure in this episode either because again, a lot of it is her just hanging out with a bunch of like shitty racist people, um, and so I'm just kind of like waiting for her just to get out of that situation. Um, and then, yeah, Yennefer's story, it's, it's a lot, and I, but it, it's paced very slowly, I feel. Um, it's paced slowly, but also insanely rushed. It's bizarre. Yeah, that's fair. Because I, I remember when we when I first watched this episode, you know, a couple years ago, I, I fell asleep um, and I woke up. Um, it was maybe 10 minutes later, I, or maybe not even that. I, I did not fall asleep for that long, but I woke up and thought I had missed like three episodes. <laughs> Because yeah. so much had happened in in uh, Yennefer's world, I was like, "Wait, what? What did I miss?" And then, like, it cut back to Geralt. I'm like, "Oh, oh, he's still there." Okay, I didn't miss that much. Um, and then this most recent time watching this last night, I just remember thinking, "Like, God, this is dragging." I can, I, I'm, I can feel my, I can see myself falling asleep right now. I, I, there's something about this episode that is like my kryptonite in terms of paying attention to a TV show, which is odd. But that banger, though. Oh yeah, for sure. You that know? song's great. Actually, I actually have to mention that you guys probably heard at the outset the the guitar cover of that tune, Toss a Coin to Your Witcher. And that was uh, written and performed and recorded by our very own Andy, by the way. So round of applause for hey. Andy. Toss a coin to your Andy for a wonderful cover. That's the audience. What were you going to say, Andy? That's the audience for you, Andy. <laughs> the audio is on the Zoom is so fucked. I heard like two claps and then it cut out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, what was that? I thought They're it was still going. Wrestling. They're still going. <laughs> um, but uh, I was going to start to say, uh, we t- were talking about a little bit at the very beginning of this episode. Uh, um, when we were talking about episode one, how the effects are pretty great. We find out early on with the Kikimura, but the effects on the Sylvan are pretty trash. And well, it's torque, like torque looks weird. It looks kind of overly practical, but I agree with you. It's it's like eh, it's like oh, half practical, torque. half of special effects. It's real hard to tell what what's going on. And I, I just don't like it in general. It looks uh, more like a guy you would find uh, in a hive of scum and villainy on Tatooine. Yes. than you would find in this show. I, I think that's why I love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> because it looks like an old Star Wars thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. But I agree with you, Andy. It's not on par with some of the other monsters and stuff. Like later when we meet the Striga, I think the Striga is phenomenal as well. 
Strig is great until we get like that first shot of her like out in the open and it's just like the umbilical cord dangling. And I'm like, I, I don't love know. It. It's so creepy. It's like a, it's a good horror. It, well, it was great when it was just like the umbilical cord dangling by itself. And then like the head passing up, I'm talking about like, we get the full body Striga like standing out in the hallway. Like I'm a get ya. <laughs> <It's just, laughs> I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. Which brings us to episode three and the end of this episode. Episode three titled Betrayer Moon, which is a little less explicit of a meaning than four marks from episode two, but <laughs> I get the general gist. Uh, so let's do Geralt's, because um, that's the biggest plot, I think, of this episode is Geralt's story. We'll start with Geralt and do all that first. It opens with uh, another Witcher. It's the first. Witcher other than Gerald that we've met. We don't find it out in the show, but apparently his name is Brienne. Nice. Um, and he I, is. I knew a Brienne in high school. She was a bitch. He was known as <laughs> Yellow Cat <laughs> in the books. And he is from the school of the cat uh, yeah. as far as. So they're not really close. Gerald and Brienne are not close. Yes. Yeah. Gerald, he wouldn't hang out with no, no school of the cat guys. No, he, when we were on the playground with- at the Witcher school, we were like, oh, they're the cats. Here comes the cat. They're a bunch of pussies. Here come the stinky um, cats. We're the wolves. <laughs> ah, woo. That was our, that was what we would do. We'd be like, wolves, throw them up. And we'd go, ah, woo, and like throw our fingers up in the air. Yeah. This is the school of the wolf. I get it. Um, <laughs> Hungry like the wolf. We would just bark at all the cats when they walked by. <laughs> including Brienne. This is our side of the playground. <laughs> <laughs> but he dies fighting uh, the vampire thing is what I wrote down. Cause at that point in the writing, I thought it was a, uh, a Bacudlik, but it's not a Bacudlik. I find out later it's a Striga, which is a rare monster. Well, we open with the, uh, the, the boy dying on his deathbed and telling, describing it to the Witcher, right? Yes. Well, essentially describing the actual story of how it was born. Cause he's like, I got this vision of a pregnant woman and the baby turned into this monster. And that's exactly what happened and how the Striga was formed. We find out later, by the way, the whole plot of this episode is a side quest in the Witcher three wild hunt. Correct. Yes. Yep. In some version, I don't know if like the characters. I remember the same, taking but, the mission yes. and you actually like box the guy at some at one point and you whoop his ass and then you get this quest. Yeah. And you fight this monster and turn it back into a baby that's still dead and you have to like bury it. Yeah. Cause it, um, what was the, 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 the king's name in the game was like something, the red or something like that. Something. But I remember he's like, gets drunk and he's like, come on, put your nukes up. How about you? What's your. <laughs> long shanks um yeah that's that's fun anyway that's that's, i thought that was neat but um so the the witcher dies we 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 think that to be true we find out later it is Geralt goes to investigate after interviewing the prostitute that he's banging uh which is interesting Uh, and then he goes out to his horse and he's like don't judge me roach (laughs) (laughs) but apparently he only pays the hooker and cannot afford the room in which he banged the hooker Right. That's where they that, get you. That's how they that's get like you. The, she's like, what about the room? He didn't bring enough money for that. Mm. Right. Uh, so he has to leave his I horse thought there. It was included. And go. Where else will we do it? <laughs> I didn't read the contract. Oh, shit. Um, so anyway. God damn it. Uh, the citizens are about to rise up in Tamaria because they're tired of getting vampired upon. And it's neat. There's another timeline hint because the peasants 
mention the Nilfgaardian king and how he used to diddle women instead of running the country and the, the, the denizens rose up against him. And then later on in this episode, uh, through, I believe, Yennefer's plotline, they mention like the horny Nilfgaard king still being in power. So there's a little timeline hint there. And there's a huge timeline hint later as well. It's pretty cool. Um, so uh, basically, Geralt does show up. He talks to the citizens, says that he'll kill it uh, for a third of the price and he'll, he won't take any money up front because he thinks that the other witcher ran off with the money. Uh, I'll get paid after the job is done. And they're like, hmm, that's actually a pretty, pretty fair deal. Huh? What do you think, Charlie? Uh, but then like the uh, captain of the guard or the vice president or whatever the fuck he is comes <laughs> out. Vice president. <laughs> Here like, comes Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't it be Kamala Harris? Uh, anyway. So that guy, that guy gives off that much Pence more of a Mike Pence vibe. Yeah, for, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. He kicks him out. Uh, but then Triss Marigold, a popular character from the games, comes out and says that she serves King Foltest. Uh, actually, I'm going to pay you to take care of the Striga, but not to kill it. I want you to rescue it. If she doesn't know it's a Striga, she just how does she even know that it's like a kindred spirit that's been cursed? I, I don't know. I, I've, I, I, I don't really understand how she kind of like it's Tris Marigold, a very popular character. And I don't, and I, I agree with Andy. I think this, this, this character's miscast in the show. Cause I agree. Every time correct. she shows back up in the scene, I keep thinking like, Oh shit, that's supposed to be Tris Marigold. Oh, it's supposed I, to be Tris. Yeah. Oh, okay. Shit. I nothing because nothing about this person says Tris Marigold to me. But fun um, fact: uh, this actress Anna Schaefer uh, played Romilda Vane in Harry Potter, who uh, wanted to. Uh, is Romilda the journalist? No, Romilda's wants to uh, sneak a love potion to Harry um, because she thinks he's the chosen one, and uh, accidentally slips it to Ron who uh, falls badly in love with Romilda Vane for a hot second there. Mm. It's pretty funny. I think that's in Goblet of Fire uh, when she wants to be invited to the ball and uh, Harry ends up inviting uh, Luna Every instead. Every girl deserves to go to a ball. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so not the first time she's played a witch. Oh, yeah. That, that's okay. Yeah, mm, she's in danger of being though, typecast. Some of the, some of the weaker uh, performances for sure. Uh, and she is a sorceress in the in the game, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, because so, in the game, she's supposed to be like this equal to Yennefer and also like... Right. They com- they're competing for Geralt's love as well. They're, they're equals on both fronts of that. Yeah, and there's no chemistry between her and Geralt and you don't get the sense that she's very powerful. It would have been really cool if she had been at Aratuza in the earlier Yennefer scenes mm-hmm. like, Oh, shit, Tris, why my brain's not, I don't understand. Now, like, I, that'd have been fun, but there is no allusion to her. I don't think anywhere else. No, I know they're not following the, the games at all, but I think the games pull this from the book. But like at one point, Geralt suffers from amnesia and Tris is the one that heals him back to health. And so he has no memory of his relationship with Yennefer. <laughs> so this new amnesiatic, uh, Geralt falls in love with Tris before he gets his memories unlocked. And then that creates the, the love triangle. Uh, uh, so this could be theoretical theoretically before all that happens so they're just acquaintances now and maybe in the future you know something will blossom in this relationship but but as of right now that's not there i they probably will do something with that and hopefully she'll get a little more chemistry um but we, we eventually find out he does his own kind of like 
very uh what's the word i don't know it's very not he does like a rough autopsy by shoving his whole hand in uh let's just call him brian and brian <laughs> <laughs> in brian's body and very quickly ascertains there's no heart or liver uh and he said i only know one creature that that's that's that picky of an eater it's a striga not of a cudluck um and so uh we find out uh that the Striga is the king's niece daughter, basically, very quickly. Because uh, he, he, yeah. he interviews the king, and the king's in there eating, and uh, the the witcher has very powerful, like, vibe powers, and he picks up a vibe that the that the king got awkward when he mentioned uh, the daughter. And so I'm just going to break it down for you guys. I don't know if you know this, right? Because it, it took me some figuring, okay? So there was <laughs> King Foltest and his sister, Ada, and... The the striga is the product of incest between Foltest and Ada, willing incest betwixt the two of them. Okay, and uh, Queen Sensia was their mother. Okay, and so uh, the guy, like the cap, the vice president, Mike Pence guy, I think his name <laughs> is Sagellan. I picked that up at some point, but I don't know if that's actually him. Uh, but he was basically in love with Ada, so he created this curse. Uh, on the child and turned it into a striga. And I, I guess Ada was, how did Ada die during childbirth? I I can't remember. I thought the, the strigas come from, you know, like if you curse a woman and then they die. Uh, so so I, I, she, the child wasn't necessarily cursed directly by this guy. He cursed Foltest who impregnated Ada. And when she died with this child inside of her, growing the the curse kind of made that uh striga like i don't think it was the guy's intention to curse the child specifically it was just kind of like a unfortunate it bystander. definitely was to hurt foltest but i thought it was because we at the end of this episode we find out the exact nature of the curse and he's like i i had to kill a lamb bathe in its blood until the crow the rooster crowed three times and so that's where Geralt, once he hears the elven language, we can assume he speaks it and he realizes he has to keep the Striga out of its crypt until the, the crow, uh, the rooster crows three times. And so I don't know. It's just, that was very similar. I'm put a flag in that because there's a mystery here. I think that's going to come later. I don't remember if it's solved in the rest of the series. I don't have to put a flag in. I'll just say it now. When uh, Mike Pence says, <laughs> Just gonna keep going. That guy, Mike Pence. He works fine as like the incel, right? Mother when brought Mike, me here. Mike Pence says the person who gave him the curse was like a a random somebody that was fleeing the Brotherhood, and that's who taught him how to curse Foltest. And we don't ever find out who that person was, but we can assume it's a fledgling sorcerer or sorceress. Do we know ever in this season who gave him the ability to curse? Does it matter, Andy? Do you know? I do not know. I don't remember. Um, so it seems like an unsolved mystery. And we can assume it's not a very good person that would just give Mike Pence the ability to create Strigas. My money's on Stregabor. Yeah, it could be Stregabor. My money's on Stregabor. That guy, he's up to oh, no good. That's strong money. I think there's strong money there. I'm not that's hard up for friends. Look at all my naked ladies behind me. Yeah, there's <laughs> a curse. Where are you going? Why does no one want to hang out with me? <laughs> I'm going to assume that the uh, the king's sister just did not survive childbirth because if she gave birth to a monster, I would assume that probably killed her. Mm-hmm. 
And this well, has been a monster the, for, has this monster been around for like 20 years? Well, it, it didn't, doesn't Gerald say something how like she died before giving birth. Cause then it grew inside of her dead body until it burrowed its way out. And that's what it is now. I don't know. I think the guy said something like that. We need uh, to find, we need to find a nice biology book that details the beautiful, the beauty that is nature for Strigas. <laughs> yes. There actually is a, is there a uh, Richard like a, Attenborough there, documentary somewhere? There is. There's like a giant wicker, uh, wicker, uh, what fuck? Not wicker. Witcher. <laughs> yes. Witcher Here, wiki is what I was trying to say. I'm going to bring that like up. Pokedex. I actually have it up. Let me, I'm going to, Oh no, I deleted it. Never mind. I'm going to pull it up again. Witcher. Cool, Steve. Here we go. Witcher Striga. And my internet's not working. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Fuck my life with an iron rod. <laughs> well, essentially, Geralt does a bunch of Batman shit and goes on detective mode. He breaks into this old house, finds the letters from uh, Queen Sansia. Basically, she found out about full test and Ada and said that you should abort the child, which essentially is what a striga is. It's like a, a curse abortion. Um there's oh, a really creepy, we weird line I want to get to. Go ahead, Steve. Here we go. This is the from the Witcher Wiki, uh, as read by Richard Attenborough. A Striga is a human woman transformed into a monster by a curse. She is filled with hatred towards all living beings, devouring them without a second thought. She only comes out on a full moon to hunt, figuring with incredible speed and strength. And there you go. That's a Striga. Perfect. Thank you. Read by David Attenborough, not oh, star of Jurassic Park. Richard Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's a really funny line, and I, 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 I guess I, you guys probably got this. In. I think that was what it was supposed to be. When he catches Mike Pence, right? He's like, uh, he basically calls him out. And he's like, "What were you doing in the house?" And Mike Pence is like, "I'm, I'm not really kind of like dilly dallies." And then he's like. I smelled what you were doing in there. Did he smell? Oh, mother won't be happy about that. He what? Right? Are we to assume that Geralt could smell that the Pence guy was was whacking off in there? I think so. Yeah. That's the impression on this rewatch that I got, that he goes in there and and beats the meat on occasion. And Geralt was like, I smelt it. He can't. (laughs) And he's like, then you dealt it. Nice try, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so we find out that the Pence guy did the cursing. Um, and then we find out essentially that he has to fight until dawn. He gets the, uh, um, what's the word? Not condolences. He gets the, uh, it's when somebody like grants you like a permission. Yeah, he gets permission. Let's just say that he gets permission from King Foltest to do his, do what he has to do. Um, and then we get the big fight between uh, Geralt and the Striga, and he drinks exactly. some Witcher potion beforehand. A really cool scene where uh, Full Test confronts him in front of like the old building or whatever, where he's going to fight the Striga, and he's basically like uh, the says something. I can't remember the line exactly, but like the for all the brightness that love or all, all that love brightens, it casts a long shadow or something like that. And it's like this yeah, line. kind kind of like uh Jamie Beautiful. and Cersei vibe thing where it's like, he actually was in love with his sister. He wasn't raping her. And like he, you get the impression that he has 
despite the, the fact that this child is like obviously a product of incest and uh, um, a curse on his people, he actually cares about it. And he asks about like uh, the princess that Geralt dealt with before and what happened to it. And, uh, you know, he's there's like the sense of resignation. I, I thought it was a really cool sense before. That's Renfrey's brooch, right? Yeah, that Geralt's been carrying around. Yes, that he gives to King Foltis to give to the Striga princess. Oh, does he give it to her there? I didn't notice that. I thought he did, but then um, uh, Triss gives it back to him later, and like his coin that he's paid. There's the brooch there, and I, that's the first time I recognized it. I was like, oh, I think that was Renfrey's because she's like, you kept saying Renfrey in your sleep, um, and then she tells him something waits for you in the forest cut to Siri running in the forest. Um, any who's Yeah. They, the Striga fights. That is a beautiful scene. You're right. Then they fight the Striga. Uh, Andy pointed out earlier. It's I think it's fucking awesome. The way it's like still got that creepy ass umbilical cord, but it's like a full grown ass woman vampire thing now. Um, and he fights it, which seems like 10 minutes, but is apparently a few hours. Um, and gets his ass beat, loses his sword at one point. He uses the, the ard sign to like blow out the floor and fall down a few levels, which I thought was cool. Uh, and then he finally hops in its tomb and uses his powers to seal it, which is the only place it can hide without being turned back into a human. And I was like, why was that not the plan the whole time? Yeah. Cause that was really effective. Just the block where it's going to go should have been there. Well, his plan was just to tie it up with a chain and I know his fails whole, immediately. His whole plan was amazing. He's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were that strong. Best that plans. was dope though. When, uh, the, um, Mike Pence guy was like, yeah, I got a lamb from a witch and I bathed in his blood and I said this incantation and da, 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 da. and like, uh, Gerald sitting there listening, nodding along. And then he's like, you son of a bitch. And like, it's up and he goes and drinks a potion. He's like, what, what, what was there anything I can do? He's like, not unless you can fight this fucking thing until the rooster crows three times. He was like, you're going to have to fight it until morning. It's like, Oh shit. Like it, it was a fun little, like, it's not like a twist reveal or anything, just like a, 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 an extra hurdle to the situation where it's like, this has to go on for a really long time, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. And he has to drink his extra juice. Cause he knows it's about to go down. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a really cool way to deliver that too, instead of just exposition. So he drinks the juice to get himself ready. And then we go to the big fight with the Striga that lasts apparently all night, but it actually only looks like a couple of minutes and uh, he struggles real good, but eventually he gets the best ever uh, by uh, hiding in her, little hidey hole there. And uh, <laughs> then she turns back into a human. Uh, the girl actually gets the best of him as a human, which is really, my wife was kind of pissed off. Like, come on. Now yeah. she's just a little human teenage girl. And she knocks him over and takes a big chunk out of his neck. Uh, and he, really, he, he gives her back. Yeah. Her neck too. <laughs> he gave really? back what she was given. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's how you train a dog. Uh, <laughs> when, he, when he wakes up, he's like, but the girl, is she okay? But her neck, he says like, but her neck. Cause he knows, he know what he done did. Yeah, he knows he got her. Triss nursed him back to health. And apparently he was whispered about Renfrey the whole time. And I think that was Renfrey's brooch that he, that he gave, uh, Foltest. Uh, but apparently Triss gives it back. And then, uh, Triss says that she sent the girl to stay with the sisters of Melitelli, uh, with, <laughs> with, with Poe and Lala and Tinky Winky. Uh, to live until she comes of age. Um, and that's the end of Geralt's plotline. Uh, so then Yennefer, well, the first time we see her in this episode, 
she's taken Istrid to Poundtown and uh, crafted some illusion of like a couple dozen people watching them have sex, which the only reason I think that that's Istrid's kink is later when they're fighting. She's like, is that all I am is somebody who can make illusions to satisfy you or something like that. Did anyone else catch that line or am I making that up? Did not catch that line, but I love it. I Let's just say head head cannon is that Istrid likes to be watched, and Jennifer's just <laughs> down to go with it. Okay, I'm just uh, saying and- if if Pete, I'm not into voyeurism myself. I I don't think I would enjoy people watching me have a coital encounter. A um, coital encounter, <laughs> the third kind. <laughs> close close coital encounters, the third kind. Uh, but however, I do fee- see the appeal of after coming to completion, having a nice crowd of people giving you a polite golf clap in the background. Like, uh, yeah, mm, yeah, good form, just, good form. And on on some of your lonelier nights when you're watching the hub, there, Steve, <laughs> just press the applause button on the old roadcaster, and then you'll get that sensation. How about that? <laughs> I'm so. Load. Caster, <laughs> am I right? Boys? I have um, no one. <laughs> uh, so essentially, the whole plot of Yennefer in this episode is that she's supposed to go to a city named Adirn, uh, but then in the the court of owls that decides where each of the the young sorceresses and sorcerers go, they vote against, led by Stregobor, uh, who's already a dick in these olden times. Because remember, this takes like 50 years before uh, the current present day timeline. Uh, he says that she's of elf blood. so She's going to be unable to go to Adirn uh, because Adirn is apparently around Sentra and Sentra hates elves or something is the, is the idea I got. Um, well, Adirn is its own country in that it has its own king. Um, and Yennefer of Vinneberg is Vinneberg's part of Adirn, but uh, Adirn and Sentra are allies. And so it would be spitting in the face of Sentra if they were to send an elven sorceress to the court of Adirn. And they oh, so they're just her. they're just bordering countries, Sentra yeah. and Adirn. OK, so then Yennefer is supposed to be sent to Nilfgaard instead, which she doesn't want to do because she's all excited and getting dressed up, thinking about going to Adirn. And Fringilla, that's the chick whose hand melted in the first episode using the power, the second episode using the powers, is the one that's supposed to be going to, to Nilfgaard. But they're getting switched up. OK, and Yennefer is none too pleased about this. So then he, she gets he's a, the diddling king that we were alluding to earlier. Yes, he's the diddler. Um, and so then he she gets in a big fight uh, with with Istrid because obviously he's the one that spilled the beans about her elf blood. So they get in a big fight. And she's like, I don't want to be a punk. He's basically like, don't worry, I'm going to be an archaeologist. And so you can hang out with me. And she says something about uh, holding his dustpan while he scrapes dust off old bones. And that's suicide, slow suicide. So she has grand ideas for herself. She's an independent woman. She doesn't want to be some archaeologist wizard's wife. That's not cool at all. And he's hurt by that. Like, I thought we were having a good time. I don't know what you mean. Uh, well, what's so- really cool in that scene is like they've been doing this whole like mind reading each other s- stuff. Like he's teaching her how to read minds. And so he thinks that she wants that. And she has this like small reveal to him where she's like, does it scare you to realize that I haven't been showing you everything? Like you, you ain't shit to me. And he's like, what the fuck? Like he, he was being open and honest with her in like the, the mind reading shit. And she was not. Right. 
which I yeah, thought she, was really she's cool. Got, it also it's, alludes to her being extra powerful and having the ability to hide that too, I suppose. Yeah. She's an Occlumens for the Harry Potter fans out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As, as, as fans will know, Snape was a, an accomplished Occlumens. Accomplished. Yeah, he was able to hide everything from Voldemort. Shit. Yeah, that's true. That's extreme. I am an Occlumens. <laughs> Very uh, so then Yennefer, being so upset about that, she misses the big initiation and uh, the wizards and witches start having a little wizard and witch party hanging out with all the royalty of the courts that they're about to go serve. They're all dancing and having a good time. It's a great During, job interview. You know, if you could just like, I'm going to go interview for this job. It's that a party. It's that a raver. You got uh, is that a rager? Is that a big dancing twister? I love how the one king's like, "Oh, I would pick you to be my sorceress, but you can't. You got no moves. You like, got no moves, baby." Like he, uh, what's what's that sorceress's time. name? The the uh, rival who's the niece Fringilla. of Fr- Is it Fringilla? Uh-huh. Like he says, the 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 prospective king says something like, "Oh, if only you had were better at the dance or whatever." He 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 comments on her lack of yeah, he's, rhythm. He's already not happy with. <laughs> With his potential sorceress that just well, got switched up on him. He wanted an Adernian sorceress. He said an Adernian would have been better on her feet. Yeah, exactly. Which is, uh, I don't know that that Yennefer would have been, though, because heretofore she wasn't the most athletic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but <laughs> but let's just let it Why go. Why do you say that, Chris? <laughs> Why would you say the, the, that? The, here's where we get the biggest time hint so far. We see uh, Foltest and Ada as children at this ball with uh, Sensia present with them. And I don't remember if I even caught on fully. I think I was just thoroughly confused in my first time watching at this point. But that's where I was like, okay, there's some timey-wimey stuff going on here at the show. Foltest, leave your sister alone. Yeah, right. Uh, Super foreshadowing. Yeah, super awkward. Um, so then Yennefer goes back to the makeover guy and she says, hey, I'm going to let's do this thing, uh, which is really irresponsible of him because she elects to do it without anesthesia, basically have a hysterectomy without anesthesia. But that's like the least painful thing that she's about to endure, because after that, her whole body rips asunder and rebuilds itself. Right. Yeah. Um, and he is just like, oh, you can't do it without uh, herbs and she's like yeah i definitely can and he's like okay and it's like that's really irresponsible of you as a gynecologist sir because <laughs> she in fact has no idea what she's about to uh endure well he's more of an artist than a gynecologist yeah aren't they all though <laughs> that's true <laughs> also just- i did like how he's like well give me time to prepare the herbs and she's like no time <laughs> to which i wonder like how long does it take to prepare herbs i'm sure he's, he's like just, no seriously it's gonna hurt real bad it takes me like two minutes literally, it's i got a ziploc bag in my in my bunk i can just go grab the, the baggie you gotta snort a little i'm gonna snort a little and then <laughs> we're gonna good be great. <laughs> and i'm gonna get my little paintbrush i'm gonna paint your back and then you're gonna get ripped asunder <laughs> with that uh light shade of fallopian right it's so i didn't even know it's actually got the fallopian tubes hanging from it too yeah. like which my wife pointed out i'm not gonna lie I, I just thought it was like, hey, is that like the ovaries or something? <laughs> she was like, well, and she pulled out a chart and went, there is a whole thing. Uh, so, yeah, he cuts out her uterus. Is that the G spot? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so then uh, Jennifer 
enters with as the, the, the Yennefer that we all know and love, beautiful and purple eyed, enters the ball, uh, steals the the attention of the king of Adirn from Frangilla. Everybody's aghast. No one more so uh, than to say a DeVries. Uh, but she is the damn Yennefer Vangerberg. And uh, that's the end of that plot line. Now, now shit gets, gets popping. And then Siri, all we see is her kind of being lured into the forest. And I remember a little bit about, it's like this matriarchal society of women that Dara's not allowed into or something, but I don't remember much about it. I didn't watch episode four yet. She's being lured into the forest is all that we see. Uh, Dara can't chase. He tries, but he gets shot with an arrow. There's a bunch of dead not dead, dead skeletons is redundant. There's a bunch of skeletons and stuff <laughs> in that field. I would hope they're dead. Yeah, a bunch of, of half-dead skeletons. Uh, so no one has been able to enter that forest. And that is where the episode ends. And that's our, anybody else want to say anything about the first three episodes before we kind of wrap it up here? I feel like the first three episodes are kind of like the first act of the story. It's essentially like, let's set up all of these characters, establish who they are, where what they're going what they're going through and let's move on from there. So I think it was actually really good. Like not even that it was planned this way, but for us to do the, our first ep coverage, the same of the three episodes when the third episode ended, because we arbitrarily said episodes one through three, I was like, nice. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully it works out that way with four through six. Mm -hmm. Steve, what you, what you pondered on over there? Oh, no, I think the first three episodes are great. I, I said I'm not a super big into episode two, but I feel like the information that it sets up is important for later episodes. It's just a little slow for my taste. Episode one is fantastic. Like, that's an amazing... This is one of the better pilots of a TV show you can have out there. Uh, um, and then episode three is just... It's just a, it's a good time, you know? It's Geralt being doing more Witcher shit. Uh, and you finally get to see Yennefer become the Yennefer that is, you know, the iconic look of of Yen. Uh, and 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 you're right, Andy. Like from here on out, this is very much like the the stage has been set for the for what will be the main story at large. Very excited to continue. I hope you all listening at home are excited to continue. Uh, we'll probably do some stuff at the end that's real fun, like favorite moments, favorite episodes, things like that. But for, for now, I think we're just going to catch people up to speed, get them ready for December 17th when season two drops. Uh, so look forward to that. The next episode will be episodes four through six, uh, streaming things, Witcher coverage. Uh, so watch episodes four through six or just listen to catch up. If you don't have time to do that, that's what this is for. That will be available on the main feed as well. Uh, but our finale wrap up is going to be patron members only. Um, thank you all so much for listening. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. Happy streaming. Happy streaming.